How's everyone's morning been? What do we get up to? Uh, woke up, uh, had some... Waking up in the morning, <laughs> eagling like P. Diddy. That's right. Yeah. I woke up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Yeah. Brush your teeth uh, with a bottle of Jack. That's right. Yeah. Is that the same song? <laughs> I took yeah. a swig of I took yeah. a swig of Jack Daniels to brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay here, Oscar? <laughs> uh, yeah, Kesha's is a fucking alcoholic. Damn. Yeah, uh, that's right. I went, went went shop. No, I mean like if she's actually brushing her teeth with Jack Daniels, yeah, that's like if alcoholic she's, behavior. If she's for real, dude, that's yeah. Sounds like she's got a bit of a sounds like she issue. should uh, be placed under conservatorship. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I am Andrew. Welcome back. This is the soonest we have recorded uh, after having recorded another one in a long time. I feel like that Spotify round two. Our Spotify rap saying we only recorded ten eps this year was a fucking (laughs) wake up call. (laughs) I think it was. I think it was eleven because I feel like I might have been wrong about this, but I think it was eleven because then I was thinking if we do one more, we've got one a month. Yeah, well, it was and 10 and you good. were just okay, well, in, your, in your little fucking fantasy. Uh, <laughs> we got t- two days to record another one. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, that's right. And so we figured uh, yep. bring the year to a, a fine conclusion with special guest, returning guest, friend of the show, Patrick. G'day. Hey, Welcome, Pat. Pat. How are you going? I'm back. Last week. That's right. You couldn't keep me away. <laughs> last episode, we did Triangle of Sadness, and then we got the Triangle of Happiness. We did. Hey. Look at that. Triangle, Pat- triangle of Friendship. <laughs> yeah. Pat's right. actually uh, been on every single episode this year, just off mic the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I've like, been, I've let been, me in. Let me in. Yeah. No, I've been shouting at you both <laughs> yeah. and, and, and chastising you for your That's subpar it. riffs. Real He's hard like to pull <laughs> out of the recordings, but we've managed it. <laughs> He's been like hogtied with a Hannibal Lecter mask in the corner. Just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he asked to be hogtied. We didn't want to do that, but he, he made us do that. Yeah, no, it's We're the only way to contain the rage. Just in Wim Wenders and he's uh, like biting down onto the bit oh, of leather yeah. in his mouth. Don't be doing that. <laughs> don't be doing that. That's just like, seriously, don't. Yeah, yeah please just, don't. Stop. <laughs> it's one of the things that'll set you off. Yeah, so um, no, I'm, um, I feel uh, happy to be back in the beef station. Yeah, yeah welcome back on board. How do you guys space feel? Station. The space station. Yeah, thanks for right. zipping me up here. Um, special thanks to Elon Musk, friend of the show. So true. Yeah, yeah. we've actually privatized Sponsored by SpaceX. <coughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> we've privatized the the beef station uh, space elevator. Amazing. Used to be run by our friends at the National American Space Administration. Elon said that he'd do it cheaper in a hundred days, and by Jovi delivered. Wow. Yeah. Which is the first thing he's ever succeeded at doing, other yeah. than. Uh, Allegedly having inappropriate relationships well, with minors. That yeah, and my hair, so my hair plugs. <laughs> say what you will about the man, but he gets things done. Yeah, say I what you say. will about the man, but he's fucking hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peace. Say what you will about the man, but his brother and probably him as well should probably be in prison. Yeah. yeah. Say what you will about the man, but I heard his family owns an emerald mine. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's gems. Un- it's like uh, he's like he owns his own Donkey Kong level. It's pretty cool. And uh, they're probably uncut gems. That's a movie. <laughs> That's wow, so topical. <laughs> wow. All right. So um, this week we are doing uh, blockbuster of the millennium, Avatar: The Way of Water, Honestly, Avatar no. Two, if you will, the second Avatar movie, Avatar Two, please. Yeah. 
the way of water. <laughs> uh, follow Avatar up. me. Avatar 2. <laughs> <laughs> follow up to 2009's Avatar, mm. both directed by James Cameron. Visionary. Uh... From from the from the from the twisted mind of James Cameron, twisted. I would call it twisted. Yeah, <laughs> comes Avatar: The Way of Water. Yeah, twelve years after the first one. Fuck. All right, just yep. that one. What's going on, bro? Uh, I've been trying to open a beer for the past like <laughs> four minutes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> just absolutely fucking up. Thank you. All right, here we go. Now we're back. All right. Uh, so, look forward to that later in the show. We've got some uh, special features, uh, special little little end-of-year wrap-up-y type listy type things mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to do a bit later on in the program. Uh, but for the Can moment, I thought... Showgram? Showgram. Showgram. I like that. Showgram's one of those, like, uh, Japanese warriors with the swords or some shit. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And when it's not doing well, you could call this a shodcast. Ooh, I like Damn. that. That means it's got horse That's our secret. On. We've been shodcasting <laughs> for years. <laughs> um, all right. So, I've got a few headlines, but I'm, I'm not sure about them. So, we'll just go through them. And if you see, if you hear like a... And that hard cuts to the next segment, yeah. you'll know that the, the headlines were no good. We'll both just... Andrew and I will be like immediately, no. no yeah. No, like, nah, that's that. next, please. That's right. Beef bullet. Judge rules that a film studio can be sued over a misleading trailer by fans. Two fans are suing Universal after Ana de Armas featured in the trailer, but not the film, for yesterday. Um, they claimed that they rented the movie after seeing Ana de Armas in the trailer, but when they watched the movie, Ana de Armas was not in it. Is that like the Beatles movie yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty that's insane. That's fucked up. <laughs> on, uh, on Tuesday, a judge allowed parts of the false advertising lawsuit to proceed. Uh, Judge Stephen Wilson in some US district uh, ruled that a movie trailer constitutes commercial speech and is therefore not entitled to broad protection under the First Amendment. Uh, So uh, lawyers for Universal, the studio that produced yesterday, argued that a trailer is an artistic expressive work and should be eligible for protection under the First Amendment. Uh, (laughs) A trailer. The Wilson said... Americans love busting out the First Amendment. Oh yeah, it's such a fucking excuse. Yeah. Yeah, especially American lawyers. Wilson said in their ruling, Universal is correct that trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion, but this creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of a trailer. At its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing consumers with a preview of the movie. Uh, yeah, I would agree with this. It just sort of waffles on mm. about the thing. I wanted to ask, though, have you guys got any other uh, immediate trailers that spring to mind as being like, uh, false advertising trailers that you would fucking take straight to the US district for Stephen Wilson's review. I literally trailers that have not watched trailers for like nearly five or more years. Yes, now. I remember that about you. But yes. I will say this: uh, the one that comes to mind that other people had a problem so the with drive was trailer? Blade Runner. Oh, which right. I think maybe was a similar thing to Twenty Forty Nine. Yeah, where it was pitched as or the trailer was dropping the original Blade Runner. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) kind of might have been the same deal. I don't know, but it was definitely uh, advertised in the style of an action film, and lots of people went to see it thinking it was going to be an action film, Mm. and it's not a fucking action film. Like lots of shit happens in it that's action and tense and whatever. This stuff that blows up. Yeah, but that film is like. Two hours fifty minutes, yeah. and it's mostly not action. Yeah, so yeah. I think a lot of people were like, "This the pacing was off because I wanted a you know an action movie." Um, but yeah, I don't know. So uh, again, I think trailers are you know 
largely misrepresentative because there's a conflict of interest. You're not trying to reflect the true nature of the art. Mm. Yeah. You're trying to get the fucking people into the cinema and then you hope that the movie is one that they'll enjoy. I mean, you'd like to... I, th- I, think, this, there are a lot, I think the Nolan trailers, I think in my memory are always pretty good and they're always like a pretty good interesting representation mm. of the movie that doesn't spoil he never gives away anything from like this cup like the second and third act is really. he one of those guys that has in this contract he's so. got creative control over his own trailers yes though? I assume so because most directors don't. don't and yeah the, there's a different company that does them so mm. I don't know I have a lot of problems with them this is like a very unique when I first read this headline I was like there's no way but the fact that it has an actor in it that's not in the movie is like pretty fucked. Yeah, I think that it's a bit of a yeah. slippery a slope. You're like trying to um, sell the idea of a film to an audience and, the, and a story to an audience. Um, and I think there's a, there's always going to be a level of manipulation there. Yeah, as yeah. Well. But like, to be fair, I think I think in this case, what it was was like she was like a cameo. Yeah, no, I'm saying like cameo I, was. This cut. is like the line where it's like yeah. if you start putting things that aren't actually in the film in the trailer. Yeah. Then you should maybe be held accountable for it. Oh, I yeah. understand that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like also like how pathetic are these guys that they're like, Oh, Anadarmus is in this movie for fifteen seconds. We gotta check this shit out. There's like, some <laughs> hardcore Anadarmus fans. <laughs> yeah. This honestly sounds like an a signature Andrew move. No, <laughs> I feel like I'm taking these cunts straight to court. It would be like it's almost like for me it would be like it says it's directed by someone else. And then it wasn't fucking, you know, didn't that someone else directed it or some shit. Um, that would rule if they were like, <laughs> yeah, like Stanley, yeah, so not Stanley Kubrick. Fucking the Oppenheimer movie was actually directed by like Steven Zack Spielberg. Snyder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, s- some trailers do whip, uh, and I'm I think I'm more on your side when I'm really uh, Andrew. If um, I'm really excited about a film, I won't watch the trailer. Yeah. I didn't watch the trailer for Barbarian. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that movie rules. Watching like a couple and the, of and the trailer that I saw fucking spoiled shit. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It spoils like a, a pretty pivotal part of yeah. the plot. Um, but some trailers, there was a trailer <clears throat> that I was obsessed with when I was like 16, Hell which yeah. was the basic instinct trailer. It was the cloud Atlas trailer. Oh, just that because, movie rips dude. Just because it has, yeah, I need to watch it again, really but it weird. has, um, uh, an M83 song and it's, I think uh, it's like sure. the outro or something, but, um, just the way they edited the trailer and like the themes of the movie and everything. I don't know. For some reason it just captured me and I was watching it like on repeat. <laughs> was it cloud Atlas out when we were at the cinema? What? When we were working at the cinema, what did, was no, it? No, no, no. It was like 2011 or yeah, 2012. 2012. I don't I know what I'm thinking. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe when I'm, yeah, okay. Right. Cloud Atlas is the Wachowski siblings. Mm. The Wachowski, yeah. I think, yeah, Wachowski sisters, like, I don't know, after I don't the Matrix one. It's got Tom Hanks playing five it's different like four characters. four hours long. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking of there. Uh, all right, here we go. Here's another headline. Not necessarily a funny headline, but interesting considering that we're talking about Avatar today. <laughs> Where's this going? Harvey no, no. Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey on, Weinstein. On a lot of different counts. <laughs> no, it's, it's just about the Avatar 2 box office, which I thought was interesting now that we're uh, talking yeah. about it. So, um, Avatar 2 has been out for, I think, two weeks. Headline is, Avatar The Way of Water sales passed, one, uh, passed $950 million worldwide. That's On its way to that fat bill. After so two has, weeks, has it outstripped other films yet? Like I know it was behind um, uh, Doctor Strange and What Kind of Forever. Yeah, also in its opening weekend. Those are the films that this this uh, yo fucking uh, Patrick Deadline uh, Deadline Hollywood baby. That's, that's what they call me. <laughs> Do you I was about to say your last name, but I was like, I'm going to dox you on that. Don't fucking dox me. I'm anonymous. <laughs> People love me and know me, but they don't know me truly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Do you guys think uh, box office is a good name for a brothel? <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be, Andrew? Definitely, Explain that. It'd definitely, uh, be no. a, <laughs> definitely a good name for like the place where you check in at a front, front office at a brothel. <laughs> yeah. That's actually sick. Yeah, it's I just reckon. like a teenager like yeah. ripping tickets at the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's still cinema themed. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> someone sweeping popcorn in the hallways. <laughs> Two tickets for a redhead, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I like this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, we're starting up a brothel. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows a woman? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we're fucked. Who knows the woman? This is like a fucking always sunny episode. <laughs> God damn. What? Uh, I did see someone on Twitter uh, talking actually about this news story. I Great. did see someone on Twitter saying that Cameron's movies have always not performed in the same way that Marvel movies do at the yeah. box office, where they don't blow out opening weekend, but people go back and see them quite a bit more than they go back and see Marvel movies. Yeah, so yeah. his films kind of have a, a much uh, thicker and longer tail mm-hmm. to the ticket sales graph than a lot of these Marvel movies do that are very spiky in the box office opening <coughs> weekends. So yeah, that's what annoyed me so much. Like, I saw a lot of news stories when this came out, like opening weekend, saying mm. like, oh, underperforms, it's flopped, mm. boo. And I think it's like... So give it give it more than a day. Yeah, like yeah. it's just... it's the I know that they're just doing it for clicks, but... Um, it's actually that will harm the performance of the film because if people see it's bombing, they're not going to go and fucking. Well, see first it. time Andrew's ever gone to bat for a film to be making a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I if think any big Hollywood director <clears throat> is making films that make this kind of money. I would prefer it be James Cameron than nearly anyone else. So yeah. part part of um like Avatar 2's uh, publicity campaign though has been like 12 years of talking about it. It's yeah. quite Its reputation precedes it. Yeah. And that's why it's going to stick around for a lot longer. And I think people are going to just out of sheer curiosity of mm. like hearing these about these films and how many times they've been pushed back, they're going to go and see it and word's going to spread yep. way more than a, an MCU film because yeah, those do, do yeah. feel kind of disposable. Yeah, and also I think uh, I heard someone say that there wasn't much else coming out around this period of time because other movies were scared of Avatar. That's how they put it. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting because there actually is not that much out at the moment. And so I think that also might help it a lot. Is like people might go back and see it more because there's actually not that much else on to see, mm. even though I think this is a <laughs> like good bl- one. Like in terms of blockbuster, like are there yeah. any Marvel films No, I don't at the think moment? so. Yeah. I think they're still screening yeah. uh, the two that you mentioned. Yeah. So we got some fat stats here if you'd like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the number stuff. for gross we have here uh, for the av- Avatar two so far is nine hundred and fifty five point one million dollars uh, in twenty twenty two. So it surpassed. Uh, what was it? Did it say its budget in there anywhere? Uh, three fifty. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So then add like one hundred and fifty on top of that. In I've heard it sometimes yeah. often like double, like once nearly like the double, budget yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it says here. So that means that it's beat. Uh, uh, Wakanda Forever, The Batman, Thor: Love and Thunder, Minions: Rise of Gru. Uh, it's currently tied with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is roughly also at nine fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on track apparently to make a billion, and it's only now behind Top Gun: Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion. I don't know how the fuck how Jurassic did World Dominion made do so that much money, well, man. but there's some interesting stats here about how long it took them to make the money. So it's so Avatar is almost at a billion dollars in twelve days. Yeah, uh, apparently it took Top Gun. 31 days to reach a billion yeah. and it took yeah, Jurassic World 
Dominion more than four months to get there. <laughs> right. So, so I think it's doing really well. well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think similar to the first Avatar as well, the thing that's buffing that out is the 3D sales, which no other film has at the moment. True. That adds however many more dollars on top of an already expensive cinema ticket. Mm. Yeah. And then the IMAX sales as well. Like it's a, it's a flagship like IMAX yeah, title it's like as new, well. Yeah, new tech type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. So this is some more good projections and interesting discussion from Screener out here. It says here that apparently so James Cameron has said that he needs the film to make $2 billion just to break even. <sighs> Experts project, apparently, with no reference, that it might be closer to $1.5 billion. Uh, after hitting $1 billion in 12 days... Uh, Avatar has a chance, albeit an improbable one, to surpass the first film's $3 billion total, which is achieved after multiple theatrical re-releases. Uh, there, are several, there are several factors holding oh, so the sequel needs, back. So he's saying, like, lifetime it needed to be two bill. Yeah. To so you might even have, back. like, Blu-ray release and stuff how, in how there How the fuck well, are they spending a like... billion dollars on marketing? Mm. Like, it, what the fuck is that? Like, if they're spending, like... I did get a lot of fucking Avatar ads. <laughs> 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 a billion dollars, a billion on, dollars on me. <laughs> I mean, it's the same. You look at the, the Wikipedia page for most high-earning films adjusted yeah. for inflation. Like, the inflation, you know, 10 years ago to now is, is vastly different as well. So, you know, yeah, something to true. keep in mind as well. Yeah, Screen Rat reckons that it'll be held back because it won't be released in Russia. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make, but apparently the original one made $100 million in Russia. Mm. So he doesn't have his sweet 100 mil from Russia. Mm. That's all he's missing out on. Um, I think as long as it goes in China, it'll that's okay. Yeah, that's the... Yeah. That's yeah. The, the real... And that's how Marvel... That's the determining factor. So yeah, well. exactly, yeah. <clears throat> there are some... Uh, the, the last headline I thought we could talk about... Oh, China, that is, that is an interesting one, actually. Mm. I wonder how much it made in China the first time around. Is it doing this one in China? Yeah, sure. I would assume so. But also, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's probably also not as popular. Like, it's very... Um, it is very American I, military-centric, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's but critical. It's anti-American. Of, it's critical of U.S. imperialism. That's true. So yeah. actually, you know, maybe there's, a, there's an angle there for China, <laughs> I think, to to like it. Mm. Um, another good headline here: Daniel Craig perplexed by the love for Chris Evans's Knives Out jumper from the first movie. Okay. Glass Onion star Daniel Craig Slow reflects on the rampant <laughs> yeah, popularity <that's> <laughs> of Chris Evans' sweater from the 2019 Knives Out, which he still can't figure out. He was apparently uh, asked to reflect on the original film and he revealed that he still doesn't understand why the sweater took off the way it did. He expressed his perplexion at the reaction it got, saying that fans acted like Evans was naked from the waist down or something. (laughs) Uh, It's the bit that goes over my head. I don't understand. It's like, so Chris Evans is wearing a jumper. It's like he's naked or at least naked from the sort of waist down wearing a jumper. I'm like, he's just wearing a jumper. I like the idea that he's just approaching paparazzi on the street trying to like share <laughs> yeah. his opinion about like this whenever he's asked, Whenever he's asked about <laughs> Knives yeah, Out 2, yeah, this is the, the only off. comment he will make. <laughs> yeah, they were like, what do you think of Knives Out 1? He's like, what about that fucking jumper? Yeah. <laughs> I will say though, Daniel Craig in Knives Out 2 has a lot of fucking incredible outfits. There's this mm. one that's getting a lot of heat online where he's wearing... It's like a romper kind mm. of thing yeah. with like yes, little yeah. short, yeah, short, blue stripy yeah. shorts with a... Oh, it rules. I saw the... the like it. on Twitter, little someone was scarf. like, when you decide your character is gay between the first <laughs> and second movies. <laughs> <laughs> he does look incredible in the second movie. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that is a feat that a heterosexual man could also pull off. <laughs> yeah. But we have no evidence for that. <laughs> Wait, Daniel Craig's gay? 
No, uh, his, his character character's gay oh, as well. Right. <laughs> his character's gay in the first one as well, apparently. <laughs> his character chose to be gay between the first one and the second one. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. cool. He did, he did some finding himself. He was out in... <laughs> <laughs> where is this island as well? Maybe he's near Ibiza yeah, or whatever. That's right, he had yeah. like yeah. a summer yeah. there. Some experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the, that. The last one is a list of Varieties 2023 Oscars nomination predictions. But... Uh, <laughs> Cut that out. <up>. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm fucking boosting this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the Base last one boosted. is. <laughs> 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 it's uh, Oscar predictions from Variety, but I just don't. I don't know. Is, are Oscar's predictions interesting? Go yeah, on. Go sure, on. Okay. Go so on. fucking their, do it. Their best pre- their best picture predictions, and I haven't seen many of these. Uh, so their predictions for the nominations for Best Picture are uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, oh. Avatar: The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, which I really <laughs> want to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I've, 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 uh, Marvel movies been nominated for Best Picture before. Yes. Fuck. Unfortunately. Uh, Elvis. I think the original Black Panther was shortlisted. It not, was. Like nominated. Wow. It was. Yeah, right. Okay. Elvis. Boo. Everything Everywhere All at Once. The mm. Fablemans. Mm. Tar. Top Gun Maverick. And oh. Women Talking. Oh, cut that one off. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> no, we know why that one's on the list, don't we? <laughs> I reckon that. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen many of those at all. Um, the Fablemans is a fa- is like apparently about Steven Spielberg, like basically about his parents. Yeah, yeah, and it's like his licorice pizza. Actually, I think maybe the rest of this list isn't so interesting, just because I haven't really seen many of these twenty twenty two movies. Out of these movies that are that they're recommending might be nominated for Best Picture, I still want to see All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. the Netflix one. <laughs> Netflix. Uh, yeah. I want to see the Fablemans. I want to see Tar. I want to see Tar so bad. I yeah. think I want to see every movie on that list that's not a Marvel movie. Like they all seem. Like there's a lot of shit. I don't know about All Quiet on the list. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. Oh, and Banshees of Insurance. The Banshees yeah, of exactly. Insurance is actually a top of the list because I fucking love Martin McDonald. Like, uh, three yeah, Billboards is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Bruges was good. Seven Psychopaths was great. Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I think it's the lowest on my list for me. I really I like it. I watched it this. once and I don't really remember it that well. I just remember having a fucking great time. I've seen it like yeah. a few times and I just really I think the soundtrack's really good. They've got a bunch of the Walkmen on it and I'm a big Walkman fan. Nice. Fuck yeah. Um, kind of mostly listen to stuff on my phone now, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. I think that's probably all I got for the news. Okay. Uh, that's it. Great. Do, we, do we want to launch into uh, our little lists? Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Okay. So we go thought. One, 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 and we'll go around. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So nice. we thought uh, it's the end of the year. We haven't seen uh, too many 2022 movies this year. I think it was a bit of a slow movie year again for us, but we thought we've done enough stuff. That we have enjoyed this year, uh, that we probably had enough for sort of a list of three top media things that we enjoyed the most this year. So this mm. could be like three things we really love from this year. It could be like a TV show, or an album, or a movie, or a video game. Has anyone got a genre of something I haven't covered there? Book. <laughs> <laughs> Book. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Your fucking Bob Dylan book probably would yeah. make that list, huh? It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, this is a, a list of me- media and stuff. Some of the stuff that we've already mentioned on the show. A good chance to get a, uh, uh, an insight into the twisted mind of Patrick Deadline Hollywood. That's good. I'm going to go back. See what sort of stuff Pat was enjoying from the year. See what sort of stuff Andrew and Oscar were enjoying from the year. Yep. Uh, away we go. Can I... Um, Oscar, yeah. let's start with you. Fuck. Yeah. If, if you like. You first. Yeah, you first. Uh, all right, sure. So I think um, TV show that 
I really loved this year. The third season came out this year. It's on Apple TV Plus or whatever. It's called For All Mankind. The Soviet cosmonaut has become the first to set foot on the moon. I thought it was about being first. Turns out the stakes are much bigger than that. Get back to work. We're still in this thing. Change your plans, gentlemen. There is water on the moon. This race will be ours to fight for and to win. And we are not stopping there. Moon lab. We need to accelerate the base. You're going to be an astronaut candidate. No, I'm going to be an astronaut. We'll go to Mars, Saturn, the stars, the galaxy. Drifting right. Watch it. I can't remember if I've talked about this to you before. You've talked about Um, it on the pod. Okay, right. So, easily one of my favorite shows this year. One of my favorite shows of all time. Really enjoyed watching it. It is a sci-fi historical Uh, alternate reality thing. Mm -hmm. So, the first season starts in the 60s. In like a, and it's all set at Shocking the NASA year, Houston base. <laughs> it's all set at the NASA Houston base in the '60s in an alternate reality timeline where the Russians were the first people on the moon instead of the Americans. Yeah, and so it it sort of takes that what if concept and runs with what are the historical implications of that um, from that point forward. And so then. Uh, season uh, season one is sort of the late sixties, early seventies. Season two is the sort of eighties, and season three is the nineties. Mm. Um, and so season one sees the Americans eventually get to the moon and try to start a moon base, and all the way up to like season three, like they're trying to get to Mars in the nineties, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And it sort of looks at like um, the impact that uh, space exploration has had on our technology and like development of scientific advancement and things Mm -hmm. Um, it looks at the idea um, that sort of the Cold War has never ended Mm. Uh, the space race I guess being one of the things that might have credited um, sort of a deceleration of the sort of Russian and American competitiveness in space exploration which is kind of cool like I think it's interesting for example that the Russians uh, like we're the first at everything else and then the Americans were first and they're like right we win that's, good. that's it that's what counts mm, yeah <laughs> but yeah great show very great show uh, a lot of fun to watch every episode is like an hour long and it's like an HBO level mm. high production value shit it looks like it was filmed in space the technology is great lots of great sequences on the moon awesome cast For All Mankind Apple TV Plus highly recommended I was just um, looking this up on Wikipedia yeah. And the main composer is Jeff Russo from the band Tonic, okay. uh, which Tonic is famous for their song, If You Could Only See. So I'm just imagining if he like, wrote a song which is like, What would have happened if the global space race had never ended? <laughs> oh, I know that song. <laughs> we got yeah, Weird Al Yankovic You on the could pod. only see <laughs> the... Yeah. Anyway, just a, wanted to slip that in there. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Box. <laughs> It'd be pretty crazy if they, if they did write a song yeah, like we that. We got ourselves yeah. a second what if. Yeah, yeah, damn. There you go. Yeah, I feel like um, the whole uh, alternate timeline, uh, I feel like it's a TV genre. 
It's a bit mm. of a cottage industry at the moment. Yeah, well, I feel like it's interesting because it gets a real chance to explore it a lot. Mm. And so the, the mm. 50s, the, the, the first season I love the most, I think, because it's that 60s aesthetic I really like. Yeah. And it gets a lot of like an interesting insight. Do the Beatles make an, an appearance in this? Uh, they do, do make an appearance at the beginning of the second season. <laughs> oh, right. The Beatles get back together. <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah. I think we're really coming to why yeah. this is Oscar's yeah, favourite show right. ever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it, one thing is interesting about it is it's an interesting way of like, it's almost like a, a documentary about the inside workings of NASA. Mm. But... Uh, and like an exciting way of following the space race along, but in a in a in a context where you don't know what's going to happen because mm. it's mm. all historical fiction. Like mm. it's not like being like, oh, are they going to land on the moon? Aren't they? But I actually know they are. So who cares? It's like there's a lot of like investment in it, yeah. and it's a lot of exciting. Uh, exciting ways to sort of stay stay yeah, stay invested in the show. I think it's uh, one of my favorite shows of the year, and it's definitely worth getting a preview to yeah. Apple TV Plus for. Yeah. They're giving away those free three months. Get, yeah, you cannot escape the mm. Apple TV free three months. There's yeah. another big Apple TV show that I don't know if any of the other guys have on your list, but, but that was mine. Uh, okay. I've got, yeah, we could talk about that one, but I've got another one that I'll talk about. You first. Oh, I'm going first? All right. Yeah. Um, no, look. no, wait. Me first. No, you first. Okay. <laughs> um, now, this isn't, uh, this isn't new. That's right. But I've watched it for the first time this year. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, you've given me a stage. I've been talking to you people about this. Oh, no. You haven't listened. Oh, okay. No. So, now I'm going to say it on the record on your podcast. You, can you guess what it's going to be? I think I know what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, so, I've been listening. Uh, no, I've been watching a lot of um, Kenneth Lonergan films oh, no, recently. No. Um and so he's really famous for doing um, Manchester by the Sea. He wrote and directed it. Sure. Um, have you guys seen that? No. F- terrific film. <laughs> yep. Really, really good. Thank you um, But he's done, he's done three films. Uh, How the do other I one, the F word? <laughs> do you hear that? Yeah, but the film that um, really got to me uh, this year and which I became a bit obsessed with was um, Margaret. What happened to you? Nothing. Do you want to tell us about it? I think I can handle this part myself. According to the statement, the light was green when the bus passed through the intersection? Yes. So you're saying she walked against the light? I know you feel a sense of responsibility about what happened, but you can't not do your homework and you can't throw away your scholarship because of it. The bus driver probably has a family to support. Do you remember me from the bus accident? It's a tragedy. You cannot bring her back. I'm talking about telling the accident investigators what really happened. But you already talked to them. I know that, but I lied. You're going to go home, you're going to do your homework, and I'm going to lose my job. And who's going to take care of my family? You? Which uh, was released in 2011. I don't think I've heard of this movie. Uh, so, you've been been talking to you about it. No. I must have blacked it out. So, yeah. Funny, though. (laughs) Um, So, Margaret... Was is an interesting <laughs> film because there's probably about like four hours of plot, and there was this really infamous. Um, oh no, I know this movie. There was this really infamous uh, controversy between Kenneth Lonergan and the studio, where he wasn't willing to cut it down. They wanted to cut it down to like two hours and and like uh, thirty minutes, like exactly two and a half hours. So the theatrical cut of this, after two years of editing was two hours, two and a half hours, like right on the fucking dot. Right. And I've only watched the theatrical cut. I've got the director's cut. But basically this film is about, um, it was all shot in like 2008, I think, or 2009. And yeah, then there was about like three years of back and forth. Uh, 
But um, basically, Anna Paquin, uh, who is terrific in this film as well, um, she's a teenage girl living in New York, and right at the start of the film, she witnesses this horrific bus bus accident. Damn. And um, she th- this isn't spoilers because it's all at the start of the film. It's in the synopsis and everything. But um, she uh, she feels this guilt because she was distracting the bus driver who ended up running over this woman. And then she runs under the street and she's like holding this woman. This woman's like spurting blood. And it's Alison Janney as well, who's great. Oh fuck, yeah, great. Um, great cast. But and anyway, so this film goes for about two and a half hours, and it's just her having this really intense um, traumatic moment sort of reverberate throughout her life and there's a whole cast of characters throughout her life and she does these things and she acts out in these really weird ways yeah Um, cool it's all really human and um uh personal and um like it it contains the intricacies that i think only like a real human drama does yeah Um, sounds a little bit like maybe like a link later film a little bit a little bit i was gonna Um, ask if you could liken it like tonally to anything else that people might have heard of what's good i suppose because i just did that and i think pretty much (laughs) yeah Yeah, cool thanks maybe link later i'd have to think a bit harder about that one um oh okay lonigan's kind of a few minutes lonigan's kind of on (laughs) his own level of um he really works with the actors and like thinks really deeply about the characters and how they act and what they do um and they kind of act in kind of weird ways uh mm. but um and the whole thing is like a bit like you know a light allegory for 9-11 as well and okay. it's like it's sort of set in new york and it's all about new york characters dealing with stuff and um eventually this film gets into like this uh really lengthy like insurance settlement that is weirdly dramatic as well right yeah um, right but i i would give that one a high 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 recommendation i absolutely adored that film um, and if, I don't know, I, I guess like I've grown up around, around people with trauma and I've seen, seen the way that it's like dictated and sort of molded their lives and just seeing that like on film, like really encapsulated, uh, in like these characters and how they're written. I thought it was just, I've never seen anything like it before. It's terrific. Sick. So it's yeah. Margaret by Kenneth Lonigan. Kenneth Lonigan. I've had a quick Google and it looks like you might have to buy it or stream it on yeah, YouTube or yeah. Apple or whatever. So yeah. it's hard to get, get a hold of. So, so I guess you, you did it, you purchased it or bought it. Yeah, I got it. I rented it um, on Google, I think. Um, Google, you reckon? But uh, I've got, I got the director's <laughs> cut. Well, that's, off. that was my question. I was so trying to, entra- you, I was trying to entrap so you, you into. Said- <laughs> <laughs> which, so which version are you talking about? So, well, th- I've only seen the theatrical cut. Oh, okay, right. So, so you don't but I'm, know. I'm going to watch the director's cut soon. Interesting. Um, but people people swear by the director's cut. And say Damn, this is a crazy cut. I'd be keen yeah. to... Yeah, it's, I, I don't think I have heard of it. But I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on whether or not the director's cut improves the story. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It was like, I watched the theatrical cut and I'm like, damn, if the, th- if the director's cut's much damn. better, mm. I'm really excited to watch it. $14 million budget. Anna Paquin, Alison Janney, Matthew Broderick, Mark Ruffalo, Matt Damon, Kieran Culkin. Yep. They must have loved the script. Damn, sick. Yeah. Fox sure. Searchlight, knocking it out of the park. Nice. nice. I adored that film. Mm. It's so good. And yeah, um, Co- Manchester by the Sea as well is fucking incredible. Really, really good film. Um, Michelle Williams is great in it. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Andrew, what's yours? Sure. Scorsese worked on one of the edits? <laughs> yes. Sick. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I had to bring in the fucking big guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit down. Why would you... Like, if you want to edit a long movie and make it shorter, yeah, why would say. you bring in Scorsese? <laughs> we touched a nerve here, folks. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, like, we want to bring in Scorsese and fucking Lonigan's like, oh yeah, no worries. Yeah, he sounds great. Because yeah. a man knows how to handle a four-hour cut. That's what I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you. Yeah. I know how to handle um, something that's been cut for four hours, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, shut up. So, okay. Um, I think you were going to... You were, were you alluding to Severance? Yeah. Right. So, th- oh. that, that's, that's not... 
the choice that I made, but I think if we all really like it, maybe we should quickly talk about it. Uh, whose list is it going okay, on? Okay, all right. It's not on anyone's <laughs> list. It's not on my list. I no. fucking love Severance. Yeah. Just quickly, if you haven't seen Severance, it's on Apple TV. It's just 10 episodes, uh, and it's about uh, a fictional company where to work on a specific floor of the building, and they're like super secret development division. You have to have a brain chip put in, and that means that when you're at work, you can't remember anything of what your life is like outside of work, and when you're outside work, you can't remember anything about what your job is like. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the consequence of that is that there's effectively two people with two completely separate personalities. There's you outside and you inside. And so a lot of the show is the people inside in this beautiful, like, 60s-inspired, decor office um, being like, I wonder what my outside guy is like. I wonder if my outside guy has kids. I wonder if my outside guy is a good person. And the, the, I wonder the, what kind of music he likes. The hook of the details on that is that sometimes you will get tiny little signs, like someone will come in with, like, scratches on their hand or something, and they'll be like, oh, I don't fucking yeah. know how I got that. Or he, th- there's... The main character, is it Mark? Anyway, the main character who's played by Adam Scott arrives every morning in uh, in tears, but he has no idea what he was crying about and he feels fine. Yeah, so or like he'll, they'll arrive hungover or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's really fun, really great. It gives it enough episodes to really explore that premise in lots of really interesting mm. ways where anything you've thought about that premise, be like, oh, what, what will be the implication of this? They've done it and they've explored it and they've thought about it in this show. And it yeah, gets it's real like a Cold War conspiratorial. It's not based in the Cold War, but it, it has that air of like um, bureaucratic... Mm. Uh, three-letter agency, conspiratorial kind of... Um, they're doing some dark kind of shit here and yeah. we're not really sure what it is mm. or what it means. Like, the tasks, the job that they do is, like, completely unintelligible. They're just sifting through, like, signs and symbols and numbers and yeah. shit. Yeah, they kind of it's feel bizarre. like they're trapped in the office because they don't have any memory of outside, so they basically spend 24-7 in the office their whole lives yeah. is what it feels like for them. Because uh, the outie consented to this, the person on the inside never had a choice to take the job so they just yeah they kind of have to do it extremely sick but yeah great fucking series really well shot really well acted uh i thought aesthetically um it reminded me of uh maniac um yes yeah i keep meaning to check that out yeah yeah um absolutely definitely yeah, right. really like. um, check, check out severance check out for all mankind that's your apple tv subscription paid for yeah it is what was, absolutely. What was the so thing i was going to talk about the check bear. out ted lasso too it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I was going to talk about The Bear, um, which oh, is yeah, yeah, you're right, Hulu, yeah. unfortunately, but I watched it here. What service on was Disney it Plus. on? Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. I did not watch it there. I watched it somewhere else. Elsewhere. <laughs> 25 pounds? No, no, no. I ordered 200. What is beef? You still got that meat connect? You can get 12.50 for that on eBay. Boom. Jeff, no, please, please do not touch that. That's my pot. Everybody knows. That's her pot. Not system. System, baby. System. System. This is your brother's house. I was running it fine without you. Why didn't he leave it to you then? Uh, but it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know. I, I had people tell me, telling me to watch it. Um, <laughs> Laura was really uh, recommending it, and you watched it as well, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and we're recommending it. <laughs> Well, Laura was Laura was recommending it, and then you watched it. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe before she finished it or Laura something. Laura was recommending it, and, yeah, and I was yeah. there too. Yeah, no, yeah, that's fine. No, you I, can binge something really quick. Yeah, he yeah. Does, noticed. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, except for the Irishman. And yet he won't watch one fucking <laughs> yeah. movie. No, Ugh. you you're gonna tell me you watch like both Nymphomaniac volumes? Yeah, right? <laughs> just I'm gonna drive to your house and do violence. Um, <laughs> just like in the movie, just like Lars Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
It is a series. I mean, I think we talked about it to death on the last couple of episodes, but it's a series based in a uh, a kitchen in Chicago, like a tiny little family-owned sandwich shop. And the hook is the main character has inherited this shop from his brother, um, and he used to be one of the best or he used to work in one of the best restaurants in the world running that restaurant. So clearly one of the most prestigious chefs alive at the moment. Yeah. And you don't really know why he's ended up back here trying to fix this fucking sandwich shop mm. and trying to elevate it. Um, and it's kind of about uh, him uh, trying his hardest to not just figure out like the, you know, he kind of uncovers a lot of financial problems that the restaurant was in and stuff. So it's it's him desperately trying to regain control over that, and also encourage the staff there to change the way that they do things to be more in line with those upmarket restaurants. The staff um, are like very proud, like working class yeah. Boston, Chicago. Chicago yeah, yeah, and um, it just has. Uh, it's it's hard to articulate exactly why it's so fucking good. I think one of the things that it captures is the sense of working in hospitality mm. yeah. and the way that those jobs, for some reason, even though um, like you are so alienated from your work in a cafe, you get paid fuck all, mm. you work so hard, but for some reason, you want to do a good job and you kind of don't... I feel like you lose track of why, but you just need to put yourself into something. I think it's a good way of putting it. It captures that stress, but also the pride that you take yeah. in it and the amount of like fun that something can be whilst you're also fucking hating it. Yeah. yeah. And the frustration that you feel when the customer doesn't appreciate what's going on to yeah. get them something nice. It is good shit, that, that idea in hospitality of being like... Kind of at some point, everyone in hospitality wishes the customers didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, but, but, <laughs> but they're the whole reason the business exists. You're weirdly like in love with um, the flow state that you engage yeah, with exactly. when you're on shift. Yeah, I definitely yeah. felt that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it you know it captures that really well as well because mm. the moments where the series is its least tense is almost when things are so busy but everyone's working properly mm. because there's no friction between any of the staff and everything's going right and then something will happen that will just completely upset the natural order of things. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, it's just a, an unbelievably good performance um, by. Every member of the cast, I think. I, I was going to say Jeremy Allen White. Um, He's so good. But also, like, Ao doing uh, Sydney. She is fantastic as well. But ever, honestly, everyone in the cast is just knocking out of the it's fucking It's a great park. cast. It's so good. And it's um, really funny as well. The show is really it's funny. It's very funny. It's also, like, very dramatic and gripping and engaging. And the episodes yeah. are only... Well, the, the episodes are that... They, they vary do that between thing. an hour and 20 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Between yeah. 20 minutes and an hour. That's Sorry, yes. interesting. <laughs> you can't vary between one number. That's obviously <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> They um, vary between 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's... Uh, ah, i got to give it a go. Yeah, it's I'll incredibly it. fucking if, if you've I didn't realize you hadn't watched it yet. Yeah, yeah it's, no. it's unbelievable. Um, um, truly, truly uh, immersive, I think. Look, some of those TV shows people rave about so much that you kind of tune it out. And that's... Look, Yeah. I did that with Ted Lasso as well. Sure. It's actually really good. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, similar. So you're not you're not convincing me about Ted Lasso, but it's really fucking it's good. A show about, I don't think yeah. it's show about soccer. I, it is. I needed to see it when I needed to see it. Yeah, which was yeah, when I definitely. was fucking down on the ground. Yeah, so yeah. just like in soccer, like in a, yeah, yeah. You pick yourself back up again. You score a couple little goals. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Pat's spending three months going ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to milk a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't project anything out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only soccer reference yeah. I could find. I was 
Uh, you beat me across the line yeah. <laughs> by a millisecond. Yeah. It's like, okay. Pat having a win, just something that's yeah. not really an injury. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> All right, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Uh, my next one uh, is something that's going to out me as a gamer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I thought you said. Guess Keep how going. I'm spelling gamer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, as, as you were. Yeah. As you were. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he say like something that? that's going to out me as a gamer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would rule. What's, what, yeah, which, what do you got? Which video game are you going to talk about? Okay, so I could go for some obvious ones like uh, like Elden Ring came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Disco Elysium for the first time this yeah. year. Was that this year? I it was played the first it. time. That's when it came out on PlayStation this year. Oh. I'd probably played it about 40% and I finished the last 60% this year. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that um, but the game I wanted to mention, just because I thought it was a cool pick that is a bit under the radar, is Stray. Uh, um, uh-huh. Have you guys played Stray? Yeah. yeah outing, outing yourself as a cat guy. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys both played it? Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't played it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's definitely worth a play. It's a sci-fi exploration, kind of one of those walking simulator games where you kind of just wander around a world and interact with stuff. Yeah, there's like um, minimal puzzle solving. Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit um, of like finding routes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's really fun. I think if you don't play heaps of games, it would actually be one that you could sort of hand a controller off to anyone and anyone would be able to play it. Mm. Um, you play as a cat, which is uh, the thing that I think it was getting people really hyped for in trailers and stuff. Um and I think it does it in a really fun, engaging way. You run around in this uh, this post-apocalyptic world, this city kind of built out of junk. Yeah, that's uh, habitat. <laughs> it's uh, occupied by these robots. These like cute little cartoony robots with these kind of like iPad faces that flash up their emotions. Um, and you get little quests. Uh, fetching stuff all around the city from these robots. You're trying to work your way from the bottom level of this underground city where you've fallen to all the way through each tier of the city uh, all the way up to the outside world again so that you can oh, escape. It's got a libertarian undercurrent, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you've got this little drone electronic friend thing that helps translate the sort of cat aspect of you to mm. the robot people so you can kind of use the little robot fella to talk mm. it's honestly just a really pleasing visual style and I really loved just like immersing myself in the I think I played it on a day when I was like a sick day it seems very uh, like, yeah you had COVID didn't you that's right yeah. I had I had I played it when I had COVID this year and it was a great day to just veg out on the yeah. couch uh, and just dive into this this cat world it was mm. awesome so much fun in a really relaxing zen kind of way next like it's a, it's a very much a next gen game as well like all the all the all of the lighting um just really pops like there's a lot of neon and stuff but yeah even Strong just the way like you'll yeah, yeah like the way you'll walk down like a um an alleyway with like a, a particularly like Amber light or whatever just really creates such a big vibe. Yeah, it it's, rules. Yeah, if you can visually, it's it's sumptuous. Yeah, if you got like a good game to crack it, I think I think it's uh, it's on it's free PS if Plus. you subscribe to PlayStation Plus. Mm. So not much of an investment there. Definitely worth buying. Definitely worth playing. That stray mm. sci-fi game where you play as a cat. And that does explain the new pair of cat ears and bob plug tail that you have <laughs> hanging up in front of me on your wall. Oh, you know, I did put this in the drawer. I've been trying to ignore that. <laughs> yeah, it's right next to Pat's head. Yeah. Imagine. Sometimes it sort of brushes his hair a little bit. Yeah. 
All right. What do you got, Pat? <clears throat> okay. Uh, so this is another one that I've been talking about to you both individually as well. But never together. Never together. Yeah, never. Um, <laughs> Joe Parra talks with you. Hello. This is Joe Parra. I figured I'd let you know about a new program I made called Joe Parra Talks With You. What is it about? Lots of stuff. Each of the nine episodes has their own specific subject matter. For example, episode four, Joe Parra shows you how to dance. Or episode two, Joe Parra takes you to breakfast. Hi, guys. Hi, Joe. Oh, yeah. The show also features my friends Gene. That was freaking cool, Joe. Lulu. Hey, Joe. Please don't come over here. Mike and Sue Malski. This is uh, seriously one of the top 10 best kitchens I've ever been in my life. And more people, too. I hope you will consider watching. Premieres May 20th at midnight. It's not Sopranos, but I did my best. Uh, so I've watched this in its completion um, probably in like winter uh, this year and I watched it all pretty quickly. But How'd you watch it? What's it on? So it's um, the first season is available to uh, rent or buy on Apple at the moment. Not Apple TV, just Apple. Um, <laughs> seasons two and three. Um, look, you can find a way to watch them, I'm yep. sure, uh, nice. in Australia. If you want to watch uh, season two or three, message Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Same place I watch The Bear. Yeah, that's right. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> In Pat's DMs. So um, <laughs> I've followed Joe Perra for a little while. Um, but yeah, I've never really heard of him. So he's uh, a comedian from Minnesota um, and he has a really soft spoken kind of style. Yeah. All of his stand up is like about, um, uh, he's got this kind of this really soft spoken and he talks about the Boston Red Sox. And that's like, <laughs> he's really quiet on stage, but he just like, like it's a, a little laughs out of people. Kind of vibe. Babiglia. I don't I'm not really, really uh, familiar with him. It's like is it it's kinda in his delivery. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um Some uh, his Instagram the talk, they just fucking it's just funny. Not like that yeah. not the accent, but just the way that they say that like they articulate the sentence. We watched, Sam just, Cam- we watched the Sam Campbell comedy special last night. It's a great example. Kind of weird yeah. dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So this is his show. So his show on um, uh, Adult Swim. So he's had um, a little like links with Adult Swim before. The way I discovered him, I think, was um, an Adult Swim short. I believe it was their like late night programming that they do. Sure. And it was Joe Perra. <laughs> crazy shit. <laughs> Joe Perra talks you to sleep, um, which was like a ten minute segment on um, the Adult Swim YouTube channel and. But yeah, they aired it late at night. Yeah. But it was like an animated segment where he's just sitting in a rocking chair and he's got his dog sleeping next to him and he's like just talking about random things to put you to sleep. So he talks <laughs> about like Pennsylvanian Dutch barns and like <laughs> uh, he shows you like footage of like pretzels being folded together. Um, I swear, everything on Adult Swim after about 11 o'clock at night just goes is nuts. just, it's designed to try and make people who are high worried that they're having an episode. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, this is like the anti that. This is yeah. opposite. Like, I've watched this. This is so they don't get sued. So they play like too many cooks and then they play this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, no, he's, there's a, a, you know, I think wholesome as a um, a descriptor, I think, is a little played out at the moment. Sure. So is this the show? They're talking to you no, while so you're this sleeping? Is, sorry, this is like how he started on Adult Swim. But right. Joe Perra Talks With You basically is a full TV show that sort of grew out of that. But it's him as a character. So he's a, um, a choir teacher. Um, uh, who um, lives in Minnesota and 
he has like a bunch of weird friends. Connor O'Malley's in it, who I'm a huge oh, fan Oh, yeah, of. sure. Um, and he's helped write the show as well. Uh, but so this show is basically just about him and his life in, um, in this town, this small town in Minnesota. But every episode, it's like uh, Joe Perra talks you back to sleep. Um, Joe Perra talks you about minerals. Uh, Joe <laughs> Perra takes you on a four drive. There's one. It's Joe, <laughs> Joe Perra takes you to the supermarket. And then it's just him walking through and like, you know, saying like what he likes about uh, the, the frozen food aisle or whatever. All right. Is this at all reminiscent of How To With John Wilson? A little bit, like in, in how quotidian it is. Um, yeah, right. Uh, but it's, so it doesn't sound like it's intending to be like uproariously funny. Is it just really yeah. entertaining? Really calming. Like it's really calming and right. it's really, really satisfying to watch. Um, there's one particular... Um, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend it to, to anyone. I think it's um, worth everyone's time. Uh, there's a, like a, an overarching storyline, which is really sweet as well. It's kind of a love story. Um, but... Uh, the the one moment that really got to me was it was in Joe Perra takes you on um, a fall drive, and there's this storyline in that um, that episode where he's talking about how as a young child he was scared of jack o' lanterns, <laughs> and um, apparently every time you carve a jack o' lantern it takes a sixteenth of your soul. Um, <laughs> And the only way to reclaim the jack-o'-lantern is by letting it... So at the end of the episode, he like drives to a river and lets the jack-o'-lantern free like in the river and then it floats down the river and like over a waterfall. Oh. And he like whispers something to the jack-o'-lantern before he puts it in the river and you don't hear what it is. Oh. And like something about... I kind of like this vibe. <laughs> something, something, something... I've cried to that episode probably two or three times because yeah, like there's worse. something about like... <laughs> there's something about the... Um, the the reverence for like rituals and like things that humans believe in that are like important. Yeah. And there's like a power to, to doing something ritualistic or like something that you believe is important because it give you give it that power and it gives it back to you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very lofty, but um, yeah, I would highly recommend no, it. I think so, so that's Joe Perra talks. Joe Perra talks with you. Um, right. it, it just got canceled like literally about a year ago. Oh, so fuck, it's three seasons. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, three seasons, uh, and in the third season, uh, a student calls him Joe Parables. So that joke <laughs> has been made as well. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Got it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks, Pat. What do you got, Andrew? What's next on your list, Andrew? Uh, I am also um, going to, and I quote, out myself as a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> what do we um, got? Uh, inscription. Hell oh, yeah. Spelt yes. with spelt with crypt in it. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, and also I could describe it in a way that sort of gives away some of the game. But basically, it's a card game. Uh, but on the computer. Yeah, but you play it digitally. Um, so hold up, you don't have a card deck with this? Like <laughs> no, like work? you buy it in a box and it comes with the cards. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, so it's like it's a it's a card game, but um, that's kind of oversimplifying it because it's got a lot more going on. And there's a frame narrative. You, you're basically the game starts, and you're at this table uh, in this dark cabin mm. where you can't see any of the surroundings, and your opponent is just a pair of hypnotic eyes. 
and sitting across, from, sitting you. across yeah. from you. And like every now and then this like hand that looks kind of like it's made of rotting flesh will yeah. like reach over and like place a card down or so something. So sick. And um, the sound design is really creepy and atmospheric. This eerie little cabin in the woods yeah. kind of thing. But and it's eventually, weirdly almost kind of chip tune as well. Yeah, <laughs> the sound is so good. Yeah, the soundtrack really is good. really, really, really sick. Good. So eventually it kind of gets to this point where... Um, you like you can bring there's a lantern that gets lit and you can actually get up from the table and sort of walk around the cabin a little bit and then there's sort of little puzzle solving elements. Someone described it to me as like being in an escape room. <coughs> yes. It's great. like it's yeah. like the cabin yeah. is an escape room, but then you sit down at the table to play the game, which is the card game bit. Yeah. And then the room interacts with the game. Yes. And I without saying too much more, one of the reasons why this game wasn't absolute joy is that it just uh, yeah I won't say what happens mm. but uh, you should play this it's on Switch it's on PS4 it's, it's on, on everything PC um, because uh, I love games that really fuck with the medium mm. in a way that is extremely bold so you know you play you think you're just playing a card game and then all of a sudden you can get up and walk around the room you're Yeah. Like, oh there's a lot more going on here it does that a couple more times in a bunch of different ways yeah. it's really and fun and it's really excellent and uh yeah, it kind of has this whole frame narrative around it of like who is actually playing the game you're playing yep. and what the context of that is. Mm. And uh, I found it really, really compelling. Um, I basically had the podcast that we listened to that kind of pitched it in the same way of just like, mm. just you just got to play this game. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's do, just don't ask any more questions. Just yeah. go and play the game. And I think this yeah. is another game where if you're not much of a gamer... You could still probably have a lot of fun playing this game. It's not like I feel like a lot of games. Like for example, I think about like what could I get my dad to play? Yeah, mm-hmm. like a first-person shooter. Red I'm dead. not that great at that. <laughs> I don't think anyone like I'm, I'm barely all right with like first-person shooter yeah. type shit. Yeah, so I feel like those aren't That's the sort of games you can recommend. Clear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Inscription is the sort of game where you don't need like lots of like technical ability with video games to enjoy actually playing it. No, it's literally more if you were uh, good at like board games so like actually uh, it so takes a lot of like Magic the Gathering style no, I, would not that. I wouldn't I really wouldn't I, I kind of shy away from games that um, have the deck builder label or like no. have yeah, like a real, a real sure. board gamey kind of setup which it's not it's real light on yeah so I like I was very wary of that going into that game with everyone telling me like go play this game yeah I actually and, put and it off I for like, a little while because like, oh, it's fucking cut. Yeah, no, and then I like got into it, um, and it's very clear that it's something way more uh, interest. I mean, you know, not to say that those games are bad or anything, but it's just. It's, but there are certain kind of experience. Yeah, yeah there yeah. are certain kind of experience, but this is just so um, creative and involving and engrossing. Uh, it's part roguelike as well. Yeah, um, yeah, because when you die, uh, you yeah, you kind of th- this guy like. This guy like <laughs> takes a photo of you and then yeah. he makes you into a card. Yeah. And you can play like your card from the previous time you died yeah. in the next game and you've got all these saved stats and stuff. It's it's really cool. Yeah, no, inscriptions are great big. That was on my short list of like I wish I'd had a chance to mention this. I'm glad mm, I'm glad cool. you got it in there. Okay. Um, last one. Last one that I wanted to mention. So I, I feel like so I but I did a TV show, I did a game. Um if I was going to mention it, so these are just quick, quickly run through these. If I was going to mention a movie, because I know we talk about movies all the time, mm. the ones from the top of the year that weren't like big headline uh, blockbusters that I wanted to mention quickly were 
if you haven't checked them out, Everything Everywhere All at Once, big yeah. one that I don't want to overhype because I feel like everyone that hasn't enjoyed it has had it overhyped for them, but it's a fun, <laughs> fun, silly kung fu type movie. Mm-hmm. Moon Age Daydream, again, I want to mention that documentary about Dev Bowie. It's unlike uh, yep. any other documentary about any other musician I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You really get an insight into his creative mind and the way he thinks about his art and his approach to the way he lives his life. Mm-hmm. And he speaks about it very specifically and very candidly in a way that I've never really heard an artist talk about stuff before. Mm-hmm. And edit is really great uh, and it shows all this really high def old footage of Bowie I've never seen before uh, an unbearable weight of massive talent is a great fun Nick silly Nick Cage uh, actiony dramary self-referential kind of thing that I had a lot of fun with and I think if you didn't get a chance to see it at the cinema it's a good one to put on mm. Mm. That said, not going to talk about a movie. <laughs> yep. I'm going to talk about an album, and I didn't listen. You to just crammed movie. three in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheat, cheater, <laughs> cheater. I didn't talk. I didn't talk about. I didn't listen to much new music uh, this year. It was a real year for like uh, like comforting play- boring, playlists yeah. for me. Um, but my favorite <laughs> album from the year that came out this year was Big Thief's new album. The, the title sucks. It's Dragon New Warm Mountain. I believe in you, <laughs> but it's more like, like a more like big queef. Fuck yeah! <laughs> it's like a it's like a folk rock. Uh, <laughs> it's like a country inspired, folk inspired, rocky kind of album, and it's a double album. And I feel like the title being so sprawling and all over the place is a good. Uh, gives a good impression of what the album is like. It's, uh, yeah, like a double album with lots of different ideas crammed in there. The main songwriter, Adrian Lenka, has all sorts of great stuff in there. And the album is really comforting and really happy and really silly mm. and sort of evokes this sort of friendshipy <coughs> kind of vibe that I, I really enjoyed this year. There's lots of like uh, vibes in it that make it sound like they were just recording it and around in a cabin, like strumming around guitars. That's mm. uh, it's a great, were. yeah. Probably, were. and, and yeah. a lot of them you can kind of hear the chatter in the background. You can hear them be like, "Oh yeah, great one. What are we doing next?" And like the, a bit of like shittier chatter in between takes that uh, yeah. I really enjoyed. So the, the new Big Thief record, if you like folk rock, folky country kind of stuff, uh, mm. I would say it's closer to folk than country because I don't want to. I know that country is a big fat c word. That's like a a brand of <laughs> death for a lot of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people steer clear of country music because they don't actually know what country music is. So uh, yeah. it's not. Uh, don't think of it as country. Think of it as folk rock, and you'll have I a great time. Talking about this with my dad, but there's like, there's a whole bunch of really fucking shit country out there. But yeah. if you're not, if you're not, if you can be patient, yeah. there's some really, really fucking good stuff too. Yeah. Well, Big Thief, uh, I really got into them this year in a big way. I think every single album they've done is fucking great. Mm. Uh, and it's all folky kind of stuff. Yeah. And this this one is my one of my favorites, I reckon. So check that out. That's my that's my third of my only three things that I did just talk nice. about. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, last one of mine is uh, Snowflake by Stuart Lee. Um, so it's the stand-up special. Oh, I keep meaning to check this out. I'm so glad you're talking about this. Yeah, fuck yeah. There's back, you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore in case it gives a Hindu an involuntary rectal prolapse. <laughs> you can't say Merry Christmas, you have to say, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! And all the devils of hell! Hail Astrophed! Hail Asmodeus! Hail Yogg Hail the 
You have to say that now. <laughs> That's written in lights at Birmingham Shopping Centre. <laughs> it says, piss into the eyes of the infant Christ. Enjoy your Winterval. <laughs> at the Palisade Shopping Centre, Birmingham. On Wednesday at 7.30, a blasphemous symbol will be illuminated by Benny from Crossroads. Uh, so it's a stand-up special that he released. He released two this year, which I haven't seen the second one, which is Tornado. So it's mm. Snowflake and Tornado. He toured these, um, I think, 2020, 2021. Um, uh, I guess I wanted to use this as a bit of a platform just to talk about Stuart Lee in general. Um, but he's a UK comedian um, that's been around since the 80s. Um, he was in a duo with uh, another comedian called Richard Herring. Oh, I didn't know that. Lee and Herring. Um, so they, they had a, like a sketch show, I think in the nineties and they that. had like a radio show and stuff, but Stuart Lee, um, uh, sort of, I guess this version of Stuart Lee became big, um, as he started releasing a few specials in the late two thousands. And then in the 2010s, he had a, a TV series called Stuart Lee's Com comedy vehicle, which every episode was just like <laughs> another stand up bit. It was crazy. Like he had so much fucking material. Yeah. Um, all his bits on YouTube are like 20 minute bits about absolutely nothing that are somehow like, sounds so sprawling funny. and rambling, but also perfectly polished. It's, They're crazy. Yeah, uh, I think, um, so funny. Someone in the daily mail called him the apex of patience testing wank. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd put that if I was doing, he would that's be putting that. He's mentioned he that would, multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That'll be on my poster. Yeah. Is that one of the ones where he's like uh broken the the sentence down into <laughs> yeah. like yeah, what it yeah. would mean to be the apex, apex. of yeah. <laughs> testing way? Um I, I think he's <laughs> good good bit. Yeah. He's just a fucking incredible uh comedian. He did it's it literally ha in Snowflake, he does something like that oh, where yeah. he takes a reviewer's <laughs> sentence and like deconstructs why that would be not true. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. And then he ends it with a twist as well. Yeah. 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 Um uh, but yeah, I, I guess, um, maybe, I don't know. There are a lot of like anti-woke comedians out there at the moment that make mm. that make a bunch of dollars off, um, criticizing, oh, you can't, can't say anything, anymore. can't say anything anymore. Like you can't engage with this, you know, I'm trying to like fucking your Dave Chappelle or your yeah. Ricky Gervais or even like Louis CK as well. Yeah. Um, and Stuart Lee sort of has a really measured, um, and, uh, valuable, maybe defense of, and it's not necessarily defense because there's like a level of like wokeism that you can't really defend. Oh, no, yeah. I'm doing this on a podcast now. Fuck. There is. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we got you. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, no, but he just, he does it in a really um, measured and um, considered way, but that also is quite meta. And it, it, look, it's just really smart. <laughs> yeah. He manages to deconstruct, uh, Basically, he's not saying those people are all making an argument, but he's deconstructing the validity of the perspective that like wokeness is a problem in comedy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Is a problem for comedy, and there's a reason why his the title of the thing is Snowflake. He's saying like that's actually not a particularly bad thing to be necessarily. Yeah, and even if it was, you're not being that by saying there's some topics that, or like there's some ways to approach jokes that don't work very well. Yeah, basically, I think is. Like, I, I might be misremembering, but he he basically is is like, 
it's just not very funny, is it? Like that kind of thing. You don't need to yeah. be doing well, that kind of thing to be funny. I guess following uh, comedians as well. Um, the ones that don't really, I don't really vibe with are the ones that get up on stage and really try to make a point as opposed to like, you're, just like being Bill, funny, like the Bill Hicks attitude or whatever, yeah. like, um, you know, it was maybe big in the nineties or whatever, but I think now doesn't really have its place because everyone's getting up on stage trying to make a point about Trump or trying to make a point about yeah. wokeness or whatever. Um, and Stuart Lee, I think does, he engages with that stuff, but at the end of the day, he just delivers punchlines and it's like, that's what I want to hear. I think it's a wonderful, yeah. So like, one of the things that's really stuck with me is I think it was the Chapo host that were talking about why right wing comedians are never funny. And mm. it's because they start talking about <laughs> yeah. a topic they and then get they angry. get too angry to remember <laughs> yeah. to make a punchline. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> so they're just angry about it. Mm. But also, um, I think you'll really like Stuart Lee if you like Norm MacDonald because yeah, they have a I'd similar level yeah. of. It feels like he's making the joke because he thinks it's very funny yeah. to be doing this on a stage right now. Yeah. And he will sit in a bit so much longer <laughs> than you think he could ever sit in that bit it's, when it starts. It's 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 both of those guys, to me, feel like when you're watching them and they make a joke that's just... And, and someone they're on camera with doesn't really get it or like in those like in the audience when like... It feels like they could look straight in the camera at me and wink and be like, that was for you. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like they're just doing bits just for you, me and them and no one else. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite parts of the show are when like it does sound like he's derailed himself into oblivion <laughs> and even he doesn't know what the bit's like anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then he yeah. will just... <laughs> Like, rip on the handbrake and be like, when I was doing this in Birmingham, <laughs> yeah. this is how they reacted. And yeah. this is why you guys are doing something different. Yeah. And uh, it's like, it's, it, as you say, it's extremely polished. Yeah. Like yeah, he's it, a master it, craftsman. A, exactly. Yeah. It is. I, I, and, uh, like, I don't love the phrase, like, comedian's comedian, but it feels like he yeah. probably got tired of doing, like, pretty standard observational stuff, even though he could do that if he mm -hmm. wanted to. And so he's making, he's, he's using the format of a comedy show to, also be very funny Duh, man like there's a bit that he has about fucking um what's the uh the comedian uh, james corden no and he does has the road show the traveling road show and he had a, a name of michael uh, michael mcintyre yeah. he does a bit yeah, about michael right. mcintyre um where he's like saying this is what i could be like and you would all like me more and yeah <laughs> he just runs around in a circle on stage <laughs> yeah for about like <laughs> like three or four Does minutes yeah. his pants around his ankles no that's a different one <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing my, that's my when he's talking about <laughs> how um zoomers and millennials are so fucking stupid <laughs> And then yeah. as he's walking around saying this, Joe's so stupid and they're on their phones all the time, his pants fall down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my favourite... It's so good, I love man. it. My yeah, favourite thing about Stuart God. Lee is the whole character he has through all of his stand-up where he's... His bit is that he resents the audience. Yeah. And he, yeah, he <laughs> thinks they're a, all stupid. An incredible contempt yeah. for his audience. <laughs> yeah. It's anyway. very fun, very funny way to do stand-up comedy. He's I like, could, I, yeah. it's easily my top three comedians. Like, mm. he's yeah. so funny. I could yeah. talk about him for ages, yeah. but yeah, you go. Oh, no, that's all good. Um, <clears throat> okay, cool. Well, I will also sneak in one little shout-out to something that's not on my list but could have been. Interesting. Which is... Um, the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards mm -hmm. 20th studio album, which is Omnium Gatherum. I think it's also a double album. 
It's an hour and 20 minutes long. You don't really need to listen to the whole thing, but it's a great listen to just put on as well. It's one of my most listened to albums this year. Wow. Um, I think it's a really good summation of the different kinds of stuff that they can do. Like there's a lot of, it feels like a cohesive album, but um, they just like jump genres all the fucking time. They've done everything from thrash metal to like, acoustic folk um psych rocky kind of stuff psych rock type stuff yeah exactly and um they're really good at all of it i think uh, yeah and so i think this album maybe it's because it's a collection of stuff that got left behind from a lot of their other albums but um you're kind of it's kind of like a bit of a tour de force of all the different shit that they can do i have been meaning to check it out i think the first couple tracks are really long the, the first track is 16 minutes yeah so i think i've gotten through that a few times been like man that was great and then just <laughs> um yeah so the the first track is 16 minutes but which was like one of my most listened to songs on this yeah. year yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck tap. the dripping tap yeah, yeah. um there's just there's a bunch of I won't go through like individual songs, but <laughs> it's a really good album. And if you haven't really listened to King Gears and their discography is really intimidating, um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, they've released three albums since that album came out, so that's I think their fourth for 2022. That's so it's fucking crazy. Um, and that's like members of that band have side projects that are also releasing albums this yeah. year. So insane, but. Um, that's a good place to go in on them, and I think it's really, yeah, it's just a really good album. Hell yeah! So that's right. my, that's not on my list. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that is that what that was like? <laughs> uh, okay, so this is going to be, I don't know, this might be a little bit cringe for you, Pat. Um, is this on your list, or is this? This is my list. Okay, this is okay, this yeah, is my yeah, third yeah, okay. final. Now we're podcast. Um, yeah. So uh, now this is actually one so of the. That's <laughs> correct. One of my favorite things um, to come out this year musically. Uh, was Pat's EP? Oh Hell man, yeah. come on! Um, <laughs> which I would this would have been on my list regardless of whether or not you were here. So okay. I'm not doing this just because Pat's you're in getting the room. his bag, he's putting on his shoes, <laughs> yeah, going yeah, home. It's like I'm, I'm <laughs> More specifically, uh, I went to a live show that uh, you did at the front. Mm. Um, so, like, yeah, sorry to everyone that wasn't there because you it's a <laughs> yeah. transient experience and you can't fucking yeah. get it. But um, although you should definitely go and see Pat live because he's an excellent, excellent live performer. Um, his EP uh, is under the the name uh, Swells S. Wells. Uh, the EP is called Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on Spotify. It's everywhere. It's on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Go and pay him actual money for it. How much mm-hmm. did you fucking pay for this, Pat? Uh, but everyone, dollars, my friend. Yeah, right. I think I've I've played it to a few people, or I played it to a bunch of people, and uh, just people that don't know you still listen to that. Like I've mm. heard people put it on yeah. in the background and stuff. Cool. I think. Pat's just an incredibly talented musician and this EP has been on play a lot for me. There's a lot of fucking bangers on this. There's songs that get stuck in my head, uh, which doesn't actually happen to me that often. Um, and I kind of forget that, like, that's just a friend of mine that 
wrote and produced <laughs> this stuff. Well, production. Oh, thanks, by, man. By Ashley. It does Appreciate sound incredibly it. good. What I was going to say is I had this one particular night where I went to this concert and you played a bunch of songs uh, off this EP and it was just, I was, uh, Oscar was there as well. I was also with Lou, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And um, then we kind of came back and hang, uh, hung out at your place. Yeah. And it was just one of the best nights I've had Fuck in yeah. fucking years. Oh, yeah. I had a, I had a <laughs> really was, nice time. Yeah, yeah. It was just an absolutely beautiful night. And I thought like, it's been a rough year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember distinctly thinking, like, I I think I can say I was happy on that hey, day. You know oh, what I mean? Very sweet. Like, it was just one of those really, really lovely days. Like, I've got yeah. I got one in the tank. Aww. That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, not not to get too honest on the pod, but um, yeah, no, I like talking to you guys a lot and just seeing you both like like even doing this podcast i think is so cool and it's Fuck just yeah. this podcast very, it's on the list <laughs> <laughs> i feel very encouraged by being surrounded by people who are supportive and like genuinely like just listen to me as like the person that i am and and are doing their own things and um this just seems like there's a lot of like really good energy between. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. No, it's yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Don't bail from it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, we've got a really supportive little friend group. Um, yeah. That if you're listening mm. to this, you may well be in. If you want, that's <laughs> right. So you know, go watch Severance and go listen to King Gizzard and come be our friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to party with uh, with us at my house, mm. uh, you know, DM me. Yeah. We can arrange a night. <laughs> put yeah. a little experience for you. Mm. If we had Patreon, that'd be like our top tier, right? Yeah, true. Be fast, twenty three. Oh, that's good. Top yeah. tier Patreon is like be in a group chat with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, People are like asking for their money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we got a bunch of like, oh, I say early career, not in a demeaning way, but just in a way of like we don't do it as our only job. Mm. Artists in this kind of friend group, and I really love that we're all really supportive of each other and. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I you, get a lot of value. Yeah, I think uh, if you don't have it, try and uh, connect with the people that you love a little more and mm. um, support them and they'll support you and they they might bring out some of the best things in you as well. Yeah. Hell yeah. Start a group I chat. Agree. Yeah, Start a group start chat. 2020 <laughs> off, start 2023 off right with a group chat with your closest I th- boys. I think it is a post-COVID thing as well. Like mm. I, think, I think there are a lot of friendships that were either broken or forged. Um, through through COVID and COVID lockdowns and stuff, and I definitely feel things have melded a lot. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, that yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh well, that was our quick so, list of twenty twenty two. Should we? Should a we? sense of community. Fuck yeah. yeah. A sense of connection to each other. Yeah. Much like the Navi Ooh. in James Cameron's Avatar. And Andrew's the got his little hair water. braid <laughs> tinkling against mine right yeah. now. As we I want speak. chimes edited in when you say yeah. "way of water." I'm um, not doing that. Did we want to just have a, a break? Or yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. see. Before we get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth. And after your death. This is our home! I need you with me. I need you to be strong.
Well, you left a two minute and 30 second trailer in for like every movie last episode. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Just 30 seconds, man. That'll do. <laughs> no, no, full trailers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well just, I, I, just audio. Yeah. I think it gives you a nice impression of the movie. I had an intrusive thought just then that I voiced, and I feel like I could have waited until off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I'll give myself another edit point. <laughs> All right, so Avatar 2, yes. The Way of Water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Directed by James Cameron. JC. JC Penny himself. JC. JC Penny. a fucking lot of pennies. It's an expensive movie. Yeah, absolutely. So we all went and saw this. Let's get into that. You're right, Pat? As you are, I'll come to you with the fact. Yeah, you guys just browse on your phone and I'll talk to you. All right, so what I was going to say, just for, I'm sure the. Everyone listening to this knows what Avatar 2 is about, <laughs> but just so we know. Okay, so the first one was kind of about um, Jake Sully coming to <laughs> Pandora and like uh, accompanying the US, basically US imperialism, US colonialism, and then extracting the natural resources of the planet there. He meets uh, a bunch of the indigenous people. Big blue cunts. Big blue motherfuckers. Uh, and he's like, I want to be a big blue motherfucker. Yeah, they have this way that he can inhabit one of the bodies of those uh, things, and uh, they call the Navi. And so he does that, and then he integrates with their society to the point where he recognizes that uh, the uh, invading forces are actually something he wants to rail and fight against. All right, there's a lot of political, a lot of political talk happening yeah. here. <laughs> Jake Sully becomes a big blue guy. He stays a big blue guy. <laughs> he has sex with a big blue lady. There's okay? no more undercurrent. The main plot. There is no co- political commentary in Avatar. Keep politics out of my Avatar. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it's on another fucking planet that I See, wasn't Star expecting. Wars. They don't have politics in Star Wars. Right. Yeah. yeah. James Cameron actually invented allegory for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing that I wasn't Feels expecting like James is James Cameron fucking invented left wing politics. Am I right? <laughs> there's a big time jump between this one and the first movie. Ten years, right? It's yeah Imagine. about that. It's because he's got uh, now he's got a family. So there's a bunch mm. of teenagers, big blue lady, three little blue kids. Yeah. The summary is Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Uh, once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously mm. started. Jake must work with Neytiri and the army of the Na'vi race to protect their home. Damn. Mm. So it's a little bit about family. It's a little bit about the natural resources shit. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. bit? <laughs> no, but I can if you want me to. Do you want me to say a little bit? It's a little bit. <laughs> um, but I guess the main thing is that uh, at a point in this movie, Jexuli and his family uh, change biomes. Mm-hmm. And they go, they get on out of that. Sometimes I wish I could change biomes. Big old scary forest, and they jump in a big, tall drink of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pat, what did you think of Avatar 2 The Way of Water? Look, man. All right, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's got some conflicted feelings about Fuck, this man. Yeah, look, it's. I just. I got enough sleep that night, mm. okay? All right. I was fighting my eyelids for probably a solid hour of this film. So, what, are you trying to are you trying to say that there is like an upper limit to the length of movies? Are you trying to say no, that saying anything? Like are you trying to say the Irishman's no, too long? Is that what you're saying? Like that. Are you saying that the Irishman's too long? No. One of the explicit examples on his list <laughs> was clearly a film that he didn't have any issues with the length of and wouldn't have minded if it was longer. Yeah, yeah, so true, true. Might true. I point you to shutting the fuck <laughs> up? <laughs> um, uh, too long. 
Look, um, I've had my issues with James Cameron in the past, um, <laughs> and I think it was sort of spurred by <laughs> Pat the initial James Cameron famously had a few. Yeah, he he made stolen, fun of you a, at he a stolen bar. a few things out of my yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, uh, he ripped your EP on Pitchfork. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't love the first Avatar. Idiot. Um, but, and and I guess um, I've only just recently come around to Titanic. Um, I find the way of I find his love affairs with his own <laughs> ideas to be obnoxious. Um, and, yeah, and part of me, uh, like even some of the Terminator films, I don't know. I feel like he just dives a little too deeply into his own lore, and it's very similar to this the problem that I have with um, Kojima as well, where sure. there's like so much world building that. Um, it kind of eventually doesn't mean anything to me anymore because it's like idea on idea and it's extrapolating. It starts it's to extrapolating. trip over itself. Yeah, not yeah. even. No, it's not necessarily triple tripping over because it's consistent. Right. And and it, but it's just like the world is getting further and further away from. Maybe and maybe it's just the fact that I'm not necessarily f- fantasy oriented. Mm. Um, I yeah. am definitely a lot more open to. Um, like I've only recently come around to like Lord of the Rings and stuff as well. And June I thought was fucking incredible. Well, that's I think one of the more interesting comparisons, like high fantasy world building, is stuff. like if you compare like this to uh, Denis Villeneuve or or you know like let's say Dune for mm. ease of comparison, mm. like how each one has its own like entire fucking universe yeah. that's going on in there. Dune probably struggles with that more, but I guess like I've heard Villeneuve talk about never losing sight of the characters uh, mm. as a as the focus of the story, mm. and the rest of it is essentially like it's not background, but it's uh, it's setting, and it doesn't you don't if you don't need to explain something to explain the arc of the character mm. that's part of the world, you should leave it out basically, or it should just be production design, right. And <clears throat> I think what's interesting about this is that so much of Cameron's way of showing the emotion of the film and the storytelling of the film uh, is focusing on the facial expression of these characters okay. and really giving you like a point of empathy. Um, you know, he wants to set uh, he wants to set this story in this world, none of which actually exists, mm-hmm. and he wants to use characters that aren't human. Mm-hmm. And he still wants you to have that, uh, you know, the, the the face is the way that you tell what's going on. And he needs you to have that, like, empathetic uh, point of access, I guess, where they're, they're <coughs> expressing. Mm. So, so much of the technology of the film goes into making sure that at every point you can tell the emotion of the character, even though it's not a human being. Mm. Um, and I think that takes a forefront to the overarching character journey and the story. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's two different directors' ways of trying to deliver the like trying to deliver you where you should feel the empathy of the story because he could just tell you like, "Oh, Jake Sully's been ripped out of his home and he has to go on the run and he's stressed about his family." Mm. But he doesn't just tell you that. He like shows you the emotion on the character's face and that is so much of how you get the emotion out of this film i think so much of this film's experience is looking at a character and seeing what they're going through which i think is sort of absurd when it's a fucking movie like it's an action movie about giant blue people Mm. yeah you know 
Um, I don't know. I just think it's kind of interesting. Maybe that was an unintelligible point I was making, but I, I do think it's kind of interesting that he No, I was, focuses, trying to, I was trying to get a summary like that. That's good. Yeah, that sorry. he focuses so much on that. Uh, but his script writing, I think, is very Hollywood. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I think that like in terms of James Cameron being obsessed with his own ideas, like he was saying... Mm. Um, I think he's very aware of the fact that his films are successful and he seems to be clearly very proud of the imagination and the writing ability he has to be able to conjure all of this stuff together mm-hmm. into like a, a, a complete movie. Like it's wild that like this seems like it has a pretty fleshed out universe in the same way as Dune does, but Avatar yeah. is just like one movie. That's just his... And Dune is like he, a big him, book. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been but, writing this stuff since he was a teenager, right. Yeah. right? But I will say the writing like scene to scene in Avatar 2 is very silly, cheesy, Hollywood blockbuster action movie writing. In a, in a way that is fun, I had a lot of fun. I really liked the movie. I had a lot of fun watching it. Mm. But like the thing where he's like, it's called a punch, bitch, and then like punches him in the face yeah. is a very specific scene. Yeah, you like love it, that line. It was great. It feels like <laughs> it was like ripped straight out of like a 90s action movie. And then it's like, yeah, it's a five out of five 90s action movie. But I wouldn't say it's like a five out of five sci-fi uh, like re- like proper fucking arty movie or whatever in the same way like it's a different it's a different 5 out of 5 it's a 5 out of 5 like enjoyable silly action movie for me and I feel like you're right in the way that he he seems to treat it in this very highbrow way where he's feeling he's making all these very sophisticated points about his filmmaking and about the world of Pandora when really um at the end of the day, it feels like the writing to me like brings it down to being like silly action movie territory. So I mean, like the dialogue is a bit silly. I've got some like wider points, more about, I guess, I don't know, maybe like the the context of the film and like James Cameron is a filmmaker. But do you want to talk about the movie just a little more, and then maybe I'll want to talk about the context of yeah, the sure. So you said you weren't really uh, into it. I've heard a lot of people say that they felt it was a bit too long for whatever reason. On the day I watched it, I didn't even notice that. Really, I love me it. too. I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel the length at all. I, I recommended to a person at work that they watch it. Uh, and they, I followed up with like, oh, what do you think? And they were like, oh man, like way too long. I was too tired. Like basically yeah. the same thing as you said. But mm. I didn't really feel that. I feel like I going Weak. into going into like knowing how long it was genuinely helped because I like, I think we got dinner beforehand and I like only got like one drink and then went to the bathroom like five times and like it's like <laughs> all right, I'm ready. I'm Empty ev- I'm evacuated. Yeah. I have like, <laughs> I have like evacuated. been fasting. Yeah, yeah. you dehydrated yourself. Yeah. Yeah. you're down to your way weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I think there's lots of imaginative really creative, visually thrilling stuff in this that I really liked. And I think that that was what I liked the most about the movie. I think that um, a lot of the dialogue scene to scene was silly in a way where it fitted tonally with like a like a 90s action movie. I, I didn't hate it, but mm. it was just like different. And it was what I called it before. I think I really liked the idea that we moved to a different biome and I liked that we saw like Na'vi that were evolved for the water instead of evolved for the forest. Um, I thought okay. that was kind of cool. I liked the different creatures, like the big fucking uh, psychic whale things. Mm. I thought were really cool, and I liked the the sort of the the f- sort of f- uh, flying, swimming creatures that the what are they called? The marsh people. Um, I don't know. Whatever they are, like the water <laughs> navi, like the, the sort of creatures. All the creatures, I think, are really cool, and I, I yeah. like the very imaginative visual stuff. Well, like I mean, you know, it was. I said this before, but um, every time that they like dove into the water and it was a new reef, every single organism. Reef people, that's it. 
Sure. Every every like single organism that you were looking at underwater was like a completely independently created thing. And like it had its inspiration in like, you know, anemones and and like different sort of tropical fish and stuff like that. But yeah. it was its own thing because it's an alien planet. So there's been all this thought put into that stuff. Yeah. And it was just kind of like after a certain level, I became desensitized to that. And it was like, yeah, it's a reef. I get it. And like there are only so many like big reveals of like diving into water and having like this like chime signal coming across the score and eventually i just sort of tuned out mm. to it and i was like i i this isn't doing anything oh, i was anymore. i was all in i was i was no. all in i thought this is great uh would love I, I, it seems like the perfect movie to go back in like a little buzzed and just wash again and just like let all the visuals just like wash over you yeah yeah i think i feel so this could be like a five out of five for me i my I don't like doing the numerical rating necessarily, like sticking <laughs> yeah, sure. to it too much. But like for me, it's like a nine out of ten at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I, me too. I enjoyed it a lot. But it could be uh, a ten out of ten, and I think the reason why, you know, I'm not saying it's the most um, thoughtful movie ever written or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I do tend to try and rate movies in line with how well I think they're doing what they're trying to do. Mm. And it's kind of like what you're saying about the 90s action movie thing. I didn't I didn't think I had the same... I mean, sometimes the script got a little cheesy, but I actually thought it was better written mm. than it needed to be. And that was a pleasant surprise to me because I thought it was going to be worse than it was. Yeah. But what really worked for me, and I think it's easy mm. to lose the forest for the trees on this because if it's 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 like if it's being done you right, you don't notice the reef it. On this. Very good. Yeah. Easy to lose the seaweed for the reef, the coral for the barrier yeah this is worth stopping what your thought um (laughs) but i think what it does so well is that it (laughs) it immerses you in that world and that's what cameron is interested in doing more so than telling you the specific story about jake sully Mm. more so than telling you about the navi and all of the the related interrelated dynamics of the tribes and all that kind of stuff Mm. he wants you to feel like you are there and experiencing it the entire time and i think and every single moment that he has in the script uh is in service of keeping the audience in the fucking world and i think that all of his technical work around making it look as good as it fucking does and making them as human as they are and making uh, the visuals as incredible and as like thrilling as they are is is purely in service of keeping you feeling like you are in the water with the people as yeah, they're swimming around. I think it does that really well. And I think it, it succeeded at that in a way where I think uh, maybe I've got a little bit of filmmaker brain on about this. I'm mm. not... Uh, Marvel movies don't impress me in this way. But it felt like no, they're visually un- uninspiring. Yeah, and and yeah. It, I think they feel very flat and grey and dull. In a, because yeah. I, I because you start talking about the visuals of this movie, and I think that's kind of reducing it because I I think it it does have a lot more than just the visuals. Well, it's like the, the visuals des- are the, the design, most obvious thing. The design of it and the. I think that's the way it's all been put together and thought about and like curated, I think, is really well done in a really believable, organic way. I think the story is getting shitted on a little bit, and I know that this is subjective, but um, I, I personally think the story was like more than serviceable. I think it yeah, was no, a, I think the story I was great. It was yeah. a great story. Disagree. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> right? I think the story was like as good as it needed to be. 
to keep the... I think that what this movie does really well is it, it showcases all these different parts of the Pandora world that they had never really shown in the first movie in really new, believable, interesting ways where he goes, mm. oh, and there's also this, and there's also this, and there's also this. And he's kind of like, here are all these other interesting ideas I have about what humans would do on this new... Un- untouched world and yeah. here are all the different corners of this world that I didn't show you last time and I think in terms of like a tour through James Cameron's brain it it the story for me is like as good as it needs to be to believably let him just do that without really needing to worry about the story too much not in a dismissive way but in like a um, the story is like the substrate on which he Use, he shows you the world. Yeah, basically. exactly. Like I, you in the I world. can see someone being like, hey, can we completely change the story in this way to have a different interesting set piece? And him being like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah maybe. That's, the, yeah. There's can a, I? Oh, yeah, sorry. Go, no, go for it. Um, can I just share like my objections maybe to the script of this right, here film? We go. I'm going to put that Phoenix so, thing. I mean, there's been like, <laughs> uh, so what's the name of the antagonist? The general guy, who cares? Uh, Quaritch. Quaritch. Right. So so he was killed at the end of the last film. And, and then... At it, the beginning of this movie, yeah. Yeah, it's revealed that uh, he has a clone of himself that's been made in a lab on Earth as an... Inati- uh, not an Atiri, a Na'vi. Yeah. Um, and sent back to Pandora to hunt down specifically Jake Sully and kill him. Yeah. Um, and... I, I think there there would have been room to introduce a new um, villain. I agree. I think that was to be honest. And now they have this open door because this guy is dead, but he can be cloned again. So even if they do kill him, yeah, he can just be cloned again and again and again. Mm. Like it's like an Agent Smith thing. I agree. I think that was pro- all, almost my least favorite part of the whole movie. It felt very uncreative in a movie that was largely. Otherwise, very creative. I thought, like, oh come on, man, you couldn't like come up with like that. That first villain wasn't even that compelling as a villain, just like mm. random GI character. Like, I, I completely agree. But it uh, did to be. I, oh, let me be devil's advocate on this for just like two things. One, uh, Stephen Lang does a fucking excellent job as that character. I do think it could have easily come across as like just like a hyper military cheese guy and mm. there were I think sometimes there were moments of that but he's got some weight to it yeah yeah but I think there's an undercurrent there of like uh, you can see the bravado a tiny little bit and mm. also then there's the introduction that he this is like a mild spoiler for the first third uh, he uh, finds out that the the boy that they had to leave behind when those forces withdrew the first time is his son mm. and so in the first movie he basically was a very one-dimensional villain, almost cartoonishly, yeah. I think. Yeah. And in this one, um, not only... D- I mean, I heard Stephen Lang talking about it. Stephen Lang? Yeah, Stephen Lang talking about it in an interview where he talked about how his character is... Um, initially, he he was, uh, he was fundamentally rejected the planet itself mm. as like, you know, he it was almost like a disdain for it. Whereas this time, because he's become one of the Na'vi, he kind of is almost forced to reconsider his perspective on that. That is kind of interesting. And, the fact and that, I like, think it morally complicates his villain character enough that I still found it a really interesting yeah, I characterization. So. I mean, the fact and I that think a new character 
yes, it would have been interesting to see a new performance and a new voice and a new body and a new actor, but also, or even a new moral perspective. But I do think that the steps that were taken from that first version, I don't think it's reusing the exact same cardboard cutout of the character as it was in the first No, no, no. That's not the issue that I think... It's more just like, as well, the characterization in the film and the way... I won't say how the film ends, but (laughs) I don't think um, there's an... I think character arcs are weirdly resolved at the end of the film Mm. in a way that... especially strangely resolved. Strangely resolved, I would say, because like there's like... How many more films are we looking at? Three? Three more. Definitely one more. Two more after that if two and three do really well. Yeah, so like where's the um, the Empire Strikes, Black, strikes Back <laughs> cliffhanger? Mm. Like that's yeah. I, that's the sort of thing that I was sort of craving and I didn't get. I almost kind of feel, I haven't Googled this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they deliberately wrap this up just in case they didn't have to do a third. Oh, no, because they've shot the third, but the third one's in the can, isn't it? Well, they, no, they, they, no, they have shot most of it. Oh, but they, they haven't wanted to like avoid marketed the, it. They, they wanted to avoid the um, Stranger Things thing where the kids aged out. Uh, but, uh, but that's not COVID really through this production mm. of this movie. This was they they were starting principal filming right. It was like fucking February twenty twenty, and so I think it wouldn't After surprise me. After being delayed me. from like twenty fourteen, yeah. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if they had an edit of this film and a version of the script that was very ready for three to never be able to get made, even if two was successful. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I but I see what you mean. Mm. It's it, I mean, it's resolved in a way where it could be the end. I don't know. Number one wrapped up pretty nicely, mm. and they got a sequel out of that. So like, I, I don't, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna have a problem with like them finding a reason to contrive a new sequel. Like, Do you feel like it means there's no weight to the end of it? Because I find that with like you know in a Marvel movie, if a character gets killed off, I'm like, yeah, but there's going to be another fucking Spider-Man movie. Sure. So yeah. I don't care about this stupid shit. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't, it's not that. Um, well, I feel like in this case, I think it's more that the, the setting, the planet, um, this whole fictional reality takes precedent over the, the plot itself. Mm. And like, I don't really see any sort of grandiose, like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, I mean, I guess like Star Wars is a good example of like, you've got, real character arcs there that sort of do develop and you have like some switches of allegiances, which you can kind of maybe see bubbling in, in mm. a few of these characters moving forward. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess I just wanted a bit more of that. I wanted some teasers. I think it's probably fair. Plot I, takes a bit of a backseat. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think like it's fair, like because there's been 12 years between the first one and the second one. And there's lots of like memes online with people saying like, oh, Avatar, like no one can even remember the name of the fucking character in Avatar, like mm. ripping on Avatar, even though it's successful at the time. I can't remember the name of characters like, from fucking any movie. But like, I, I will say, I kind, of, Man, huh? <laughs> I kind of don't care about Jake Sully and I kind of don't like Jake Sully. And like, he is very like almost critically depicted in this movie as being like a bit of like a meathead. He's too obsessed with the military. Like he treats his kids like soldiers or whatever, yeah. and they make him they make him call him like sir, and he's like commanding them like a squadron in a way that makes him look like a bit of a dick. Mm. So that's like I guess it's doing it in a bit of a self aware way, but like I kind of don't care about Jake Sully, and I think the film kind of knows that you don't need to care about Jake Sully. I think the interesting thing is like I want to care though. Yeah, mm. me too. I agree that it's a critic. I I yeah. agree with the criticism, yeah. but like I think that. Uh, I enjoy it. In sp- it's not it's so much of a criticism for me that it like detracts from. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah I mean, I movie. think the source of a lot of the pacing issues from this movie come from the fact that so now 
it's looking at the family unit and you do get a fair bit of time with nearly every member of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the kids have their own uh, fitting in issues when they get to the mm. reef people. And so like you've got Sigourney Weaver's character that becomes like obsessed with basically like being underwater and staying there and learning mm. as much, uh, uh, experiencing yeah. that as much as possible. Mm. You've got the younger brother that um, gets like tries to make friends with the younger brother, the tribe's son <laughs> from the other one. <laughs> and then like... You're losing me. He, he he gets bullied by these other kids yeah, and they yeah, end up no, nearly killing I'm him. Just a lot of names. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. The There's like younger brother, older brother and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. yeah. And the younger brother... Who, like, is, who is young, by the way. Uh, did you guys notice yes. that was Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. I didn't realize for the first hour. Bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but so, you, you know, and like the way that what the um, brother, the younger brother subplot enables is like meeting that whale and finding out like, well, that's how... That's how you're introduced to these whales that they're harvesting. The whales were sick. Which is actually like a major point in the plot, right? Yeah. But it introduces you to the to the whales through that character being left there as part of like a turbulence thing. Mm. That entire subplot could have been started by a reef person saying to Jake Sully, oh, sometimes these cunts come and hunt these whales for their oil. <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. that would have taken... 30 seconds. Yeah. But instead, you got like a like a 20-minute subplot drawn out with that this character. That was great as well. It was right? awesome. And so I think like... But then what he always also uses those opportunities to do is show you more of the world. Yeah. And the beauty of the thing, right? And yeah. so like for me, that worked really well. But mm. I do understand if you became fatigued with like being shown this fucking place. I think you just you've need got to... A, you really need a buy-in from the audience for this yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you, you really need do. to be all in on it and yeah. I think you need to see it on a good day because I think I've yeah. seen like every single person that hasn't liked it, a lot of them is because of its length and be like, oh, I just kind of wasn't really... I was kind of fatigued by it. I'm uh. not really in the mood for it. Like, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm just saying like, if someone is, inter- is listening and is interested in seeing it, I think like give yourself the best chance by like... Go on a good day. Don't see it at like nine o'clock at night. No, we saw it like midday on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you're a lost cause. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lost cause. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we could engineer a circumstance where you would have enjoyed it better. I'm just saying you've inspired me to mention to people that this is a movie that where they you should, should do something different to what you did. <laughs> yeah, don't do don't do what Pat did. No, I, well, I, I did. I did spill a coke all over Andrew's shoes. So. <laughs> I fucking forgot about that. That's why we call him Andy Coke Shoes. I remember the. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is like I understand your criticism of it, and I'm not. Uh, I think I very easily could have felt that way too. For some reason, and maybe it is just this good day thing. Um, it just hit me in the right way, and I was feeling very open and generous to mm. these kind of movies. And it, I think I was ready to go in and see a, a blockbuster. I hadn't yeah. been yeah. in a really long I don't, time. I don't hate this film. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, hate yeah. it. Um, I, like, I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's fantastic. Mm. I had a lot of fun with the movie uh, and I was disappointed when the person that I recommended from work goes, I was like really hyping it up and I was mm. so disappointed when they thought it was like real shit. Yeah. I mm. thought Yeah, I definitely... Brutal. And I also think it's unfair to to heap criticism on this film. To be honest, like I'm I'm critical. People just wanted it to fail so bad. Absolutely, yeah. Really yeah. And and but it's like lusting for blood. For there's this. like yeah. a weird like uh, MCU like all the MCU fans want to see it fail really bad. Yeah, exactly. And they're like all fucking drones <laughs> anyway. Like, 
It's very funny. Like I completely forgot that I enjoyed the first Avatar movie. Like because it's been twelve. It's been twelve years of like it being ridiculed and like memeified and turned into this like in joke thing. And so I didn't really remember the. I don't. I don't think I was saying before. Uh, before we recorded, I don't think I've seen the original one in English. I think it came out when I was. Oh yeah. I think I've only ever seen the first one in German. That's very funny. But yeah, no, I forgot that I enjoyed the first one. So coming back into this as soon as it started, be like, oh no, I forgot this is this rips. Oh, we should have said we saw it in two D. Yeah, fuck three D. Yeah. So I'm. I'm down to. I'm gonna go and see it again in the three D high frame rate. I actually. It sucks. Might have enjoyed it more in 3D, to be honest. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, just nice. more broadly, like about the um, the context of the film, right? Like, yeah. Because the first film was released right after the GFC 2009. And this film's being released right after the COVID pandemic as well. So mm. there's like this weird sort of um, uh, serendipitous... Um, so you reckon that's coincidence, huh? Not coincidence, but Whoa, there's say, like there's something about the. You're power saying it's not of, a coincidence. There's something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's James, something about the power of James uh, Cameron was a big, big subprime loan mortgage yeah. lender. That's right. You, you Where saying, was he in Wuhan? That's right. In 2019. He's saying, he's saying James Cameron likes to eat bats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was in the one place you can't get COVID at the yeah. bottom of the, the Mariana Trench. Trench. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's something I don't know. There's something weird there about the power of. Uh, cinema, and I think he's like a really big proponent of that as well. Yeah, um, and and I think that's what after sort of being just basically bludgeoned over the head, like I think everyone else has fe- felt um, about like uh, COVID s- restrictions and having to wear a fucking yeah, mask getting a vaccine, getting vaccinated. <laughs> no, by like Marvel films over the last yeah. ten years, and and also like the serialization and like the. Um, sequelification the sequelification and like uh, this pressure of like um, every single movie franchise to create a universe and to sort of spin it off and sort of solidify and, and consolidate all of their creative it, very IP. funny that Disney uh, owns both Marvel and Avatar yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 but like um, <clears throat> I think I think people have been sort of uh, fatigued by that and I think Looking at Avatar two coming out um, in in this current, uh, I wouldn't I don't want to say wasteland. This current landscape um, of cinema, it does kind of feel like I am watching a movie from the early two thousands or the nineties, um, yeah. almost like a pre nine eleven film in a weird way, um, <laughs> because there's something about uh, like like the aesthetic of this film uh, reminded me of. Um, have you seen that? Uh, there was a it was like a new tech, like 2000s aesthetic called Fruitature Arrow. No. Okay. So it's basically, I'll, I'll pull up a picture of it, but <laughs> listeners at home, it's uh, fruit, Iger, and then Arrow. Um, but it's basically <laughs> like um, lots of water splashing. It's like fish. Bubbles. There's like technology in there. There's bubbles. Yeah. It looks like a screensaver. It looks like a, a Motorola screensaver from 2008. Yeah, yeah. basically. Great. Um, and everything on your on your phone screen is like an orb that you press. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I would describe it as water uh, in zero gravity. It's a visual yeah. aesthetic. It's a specific. It's. It, it, I thought it was going to be like a. It sounds like Fruity Arrow no, was a, a label design, given for like a, a design language. Design. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a design aesthetic, but um, Fruitiger. There's something about it that uh, evokes like um, pre nine eleven optimism and like mm. end of history, <laughs> like. I don't know. There's something. Um, All right. Keep going. Well, like uh, I think, 
Avatar for James Cameron is like almost this new agey kind of pro environment um, concept and this story that he's really committed to and emotionally invested in because it's talking about how important the earth is and how much we need to look after it. And so to sort of see that, that story sort of posed to an audience again, along with uh, like, yeah, I, I think like the water sequences in this film sort of evoked that aesthetic to me weirdly mm. like the watery like yeah I sort of see that 90s sort of shit it's a very happy go lucky kind of yeah. kind of movie that, <laughs> I think there was conjured that, up in me a sense that I don't I think this is tapping into the same thing but it conjured up in me a sense that like that obviously that that I don't know if there were ever times when humans coexisted with species in the way that they do in this movie but Certainly, a sense that um, that uh, there used to be so much more of a balance in the ecosystems, mm. and that there was so much more um, like just uh, free roaming wildlife and uh, flora and fauna, um, and it really made me feel. Watching this really made me feel like a sense of loss mm. that that is never coming back yeah and that i don't or like at least while not while humans are yeah it yeah does a, you know it, what i mean it, it does a good job of doing that of like demonifying the humans and the military in this way in the movie in a way where it's like they go like oh yeah we threw up this massive fucking base in like a year and all these like rails that are yeah. going through this like pristine but i'm talking even before that happened not about the loss of that thing but about the fact that it it already feels like it's depicting something that we lost. Yeah. Even when, but not in the destruction of it, which does happen in the movie. Just the mere fact that you're seeing something on cinema or like you're in this world that is so beautiful and exists so perfectly that it is something that you will never get to see in your real life. And Mm. it feels like that's the way that things kind of should be. Yeah. You yeah. know what I so, mean? I, That's I, the optimism, I think. Well, is and that I, it feels like it's trying to say, this is what it should feel like if we were doing things the right way. That's yeah. that's why I'm fascinated by why James Cameron is so stuck on this idea and why he's <laughs> and why he's like mm. so fucking hell bent on burning like billions of dollars on this vision. Yeah. Like that's what's fascinating to me. And I think part of it has to do with like he's I think he's stuck on this idea of like um kind of feels like it's springing from the same place of like 90s tech entrepreneurs like in the early days of the internet in Silicon Valley when they were looking at the internet and they saw it as like this like um, peer-to-peer like utopia where information is like freely exchanged and and like like that these people truly believe that the internet would be like an organizing force for good in society and that like Uncorrupted by capital Uncorrupted by capital And that the future Was looking bright And and good (laughs) And I think that Maybe Avatar Kind of sprung From the same place Or something Mm. And it feels like It's It doesn't feel outdated But it just feels like Different It feels um, Avatar feels like It's coming from Anachronistic maybe Maybe anachronistic uh, But that kind of Implies it's outdated It feels like it's coming From a dominant Place of thought That is different to where most people are the people don't at. have anymore it feels different yeah. and that's what i truly appreciate about this film and i, I do hope it keeps going because mm. i think i think there's something valuable there and that's why i'm also sort of um i'm skeptical about this movie i didn't really like it but i also feel like it's, <laughs> a, it's a puzzle piece in like a bro- broader narrative and mm. i'm really hoping it comes around and 
when people will eventually watch the box set in like 2040 or whenever the fuck it, the rest of them comes yeah, out. Fuck yeah. Um, it will like tie into a really cohesive narrative. People can look at it as like this grand narrative which really said something truly uh, prescient and important about the time that we live in at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think that's really interesting. And I also think like Cameron is the only one that's doing that kind of thing at the moment. I don't know. Can you think of any other filmmakers that are even... I mean, it feels like Villeneuve is is the only other working director that's creating this type of something so sweeping and epic. Mm. Um, well, there's plenty, there's plenty of those movies recently that have done that sort of anti-capitalist, like rich yeah, people are bad type movie. There's plenty of like modern themes in movies. I, I can definitely see what you mean about like, this movie. feel like it's been out of, it's out of time in a way that I can't. So think uh, anything yeah, else when you look that. at like the dominant, like, I don't know. It feels like maybe people who are all on social media together, we're sort of all on this similar thought line. Mm. It feels like James Cameron is logged off and he's like completely existing, completely parallel yeah. to everything. Like else. I, I think Phil Nerve is kind of like plugged in. Well, that's kind of, yeah, I see them as, as different. And I'm wondering like what that, what that sense of difference comes from. I know I talked about like the way that they approach character differently, but, um, but I, just in terms of like what they choose to try and, um, the feeling of the the feeling that the movie is intending to to give you, I guess, because like Dune, for example, and even like Blade Runner is maybe a better touch point because mm. it's still set on Earth and it's closer than Dune is. Dune is almost so far away that it's hard to think about mm. Earth being that way, and it has giant worms in it. But like, <laughs> sick fucking um, film. I know how so, to, I know how so the Dune good. planet feels if you know what I'm saying. But. Uh, <laughs> dry as fuck <laughs> yeah. um but uh the, the like the way that <laughs> I, I think june and maybe like terminator are kind of more similar stories because they they kind of fit more in like um that kind of like warning against the way that desolation yeah exactly yeah. like the hollowing out of society in favor of like these like techno techno oligarchs or whatever yeah kind of stuff you want to say but then avatar really is feels like it's just doing a completely different thing. I feel like it must... It, I, I see Cameron and almost like David Attenborough as like <laughs> yeah, two yeah, very similar yeah, people in my yeah. head where it feels like if David Attenborough made narrative films, he might be making the type of films that James Cameron's doing. Mm. J- James Cameron just seems like angrier and maybe like less disillusioned. Mm. Yeah, Because David Attenborough, it feels like he's just talking about how he's like, mm. yeah, this shit's pretty fucked. The like, best... I'm glad we got it on camera because it's going to (laughs) die. The best movies I can think of that capture a similar sort of sense of being a bit out of place and out of step with the rest of film that I can think of off the top of my head uh, are maybe like, and they're completely unrelated, like they're completely unrelated tonally. But I think like, I almost think that Nomadland (laughs) captured that for me. Yeah. Uh, In terms of like people living this life in the wilderness, um, completely out of step from the rest of modern society in a Mm. way where it's like, where the attitude that you want to get out of the film is like, yeah, these people don't live the same as you. And so what? Like, who are you to criticize? And like, Mm. this might actually be better and like reconsidering the way people live their lives. And I think like, what was that movie about the the daughter and father that live in the woods? Was it Leave No uh, Trace? Trace, I think those two movies specifically were movies where they sort of get you questioning like our thing where it's like, oh, you got to, you know, uh, live in a city and get a job and get a degree and pay your taxes. And those two movies are like two movies where they're like encouraging you to sort of live outside of the, uh, the, the confines of like modern 
society mm. in different ways, well, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think if I can wildly speculate, yeah, really interesting idea of like... Especially leave you questioning how you live your own yeah, life in a way that this kind of does as do. well. Yeah. yeah, which is really... but And I think, you know, James Cameron has... It kind of feels ridiculous to talk about him this way, but he has genuinely been deeper in the ocean than nearly any other oh, human yeah. being. Like, <laughs> yeah. like literally he's had that experience. Yeah. And do you, I, I feel do you reckon like he brings that up like in random bar f- random like bar arguments about other species? Like, Who else has been deeper in the ocean than me? Huh? Uh, he would be so <laughs> fucking insufferable to talk <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> but like I, I feel like You've been he deeper must, in the ocean than me, Pat, huh? <laughs> I feel like he must have a similar experience to astronauts where they look back yeah. at the yeah. planet and they're just like, I can't unthink about my own scale now. Mm. Like, I, I can sort of see the whole picture at once and it's going to be really hard to go back and, like, do groceries when I'm thinking about what the fuck is really going on on a scale that's so much bigger than just, like, at a human level, especially, like, a human everyday level. Mm. And it feels like... I don't know if he's trying to do this with his movies. Maybe he's one of those people where he's just trying to entertain people. But it feels like maybe he's trying to tell a story that's getting you to have that same experience yeah. where he's trying to yeah. say, I can't get you in the the ocean rover at the bottom of the Marinus Trench. Mariana? Whatever. Mariana. The bottom of the deepest trench in the ocean. Mm. But what I can try and show you is a movie that makes you feel like the same sense of scale and importance about what Earth could be and can be, and then maybe that will make you care about things that you should, mm. that you can go and do. Man, like I've never, never thought about of Avatar on this depth. Really? <laughs> before, <though. laughs> no, but yeah, I think that's... I do think he's trying to do something like that. I yeah. think he has a perspective. That's really interesting. Like in, inspiring in this sense of wonder and appreciation for nature. I yeah. feel like most people... I like think it says something that he fucked off for so long. It was just doing the submarine shit. Like he yeah. clearly doesn't... He's not only someone who is interested in filmmaking. No, he's someone who cares deeply, which is what I really admire yeah. about him. Yeah. He yeah. apparently now lives in a, like a massive like thousand acre fucking farm outside of Wellington in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. And I watched him... I, I read some interview where um, he said that uh, he's apparently like the South Island's largest uh, largest seller of organic green vegetables or something. <laughs> sure. Some specific type of vegetable. It was like, like the Cameron South Island. I mean, yeah. yeah, when I was over in the South <laughs> Island recently... Um, all right, I, uh, you, you can kind of... When you travel around and you, and you look at the mountains and you look at the, the lake, um, the mountain lakes and stuff like that, you can see uh, why it's cased so well by um, like uh, filmmakers ho- and stuff. Hollywood location, scout. uh, location yeah. scouts. Yeah. yeah. Also, don't um, don't at me it, if I got the island wrong. I don't care when he's where. It, um, <laughs> it um, it feels really untouched, and I think that there's a reason why there are so many tech billionaires and stuff like that yeah. flocking to New Zealand because it feels like the the, like little, the last untouched like little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, I got to check it out before James Cameron fucks it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a lot of land to own, but it does... Mm. Well, I, I made up the numbers, a lot of land. <laughs> it does feel like, I'm sure he has a big fucking property, but yeah. it does feel like he's one of the less harmful people yeah. <laughs> Like with that's operating with that level of money, you know? Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I liken him to David Attenborough, is that it feels like he feels so strongly about this and has that passion, and for a cause that I agree with... Mm. Um, you know, I haven't explicitly heard him talk about conservation or um, like climate change, or but 
you know, I, I think uh, you could safely say like he would be thinking a lot about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I've heard that he does all sorts of charity work and stuff. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say that this is a capital M movie, um, and it does mm. really. I think all that stuff that we were talking about just showcases the fact that this is he's James Cameron believes in the magic of movies, and he believes that he can show people something truly different mm. and important. Yeah, and that's something that might change people and the way that they look at things. And I think maybe it's done that for me. Yeah. Um, that being said. Could have been a lot fucking tighter, <laughs> but I also, but I also see what he was doing in like letting it sprawl and expand yeah. Um, yeah. to sort of let people soak in the details of this fictional world. Yeah, to absolutely. To to let it overwhelm them and sort of let the mm. ideas sort of really ferment. I think that's what I meant about like put yourself in a good mind when you watch it. In the same way as like we watched that Drive My Car Japanese movie, and mm. I said like I think a good way of going in is like knowing that it's a big long slow movie and being prepared for that I think mm. in the same way like yeah just know that this is a big long movie and it's about like soaking in all the visuals and like mm. really eating it up and like yeah like he could have had like one line but he chose to make it a 20 minute fucking whale fight scene like yeah I, th I think like if you're prepared for that and you're all in on that uh, you got a good chance of enjoying it and not shooting yourself in the foot like something that really like who? our rude friend Patrick <laughs> <laughs> something that really surprised me about this I might, I might close out my points on this note but Damn. um, this <laughs> Uh, I this movie actually moved me to tears from beauty Worst like embarrassing. No. three or four times, mm. and I would say I don't I wouldn't say media overwhelms me very often, but I would say uh, that that is why I just I don't know what it was. It was the way that he constructed particular moments um, of like uh, the way that w uh, it, I'm thinking of like two particular moments. One where um, the character is uh, interacting with the whale for the first time the, the younger brother mm -hmm. and the other one is when a, a character dies and is returned to it's like a funeral process and is returned to the natural land under the water and they, they it's like this um field of it looks like a wheat field almost, oh yeah but it's like yeah, under the yeah. water and and the bioluminescence is is yellow and so it's got this like sun ray kind of glow mm. to it and the way that the world absorbs this person back into it was so i don't know he's he was tapping into something very um what felt absurdly natural considering that it was a completely artificial thing that i was looking at mm. um and it did just overwhelm me in that moment where i thought um i feel like that's what it's meant to feel like and like it's almost like paradisic uh in in the way that it looks at the life cycle and the way that these people interact with their environment and how connected and tapped in they are, mm. which like yeah. as a uh, white Australian, I have no fucking connection <laughs> to my land like that. But, but I, I don't know. And I don't want to speak as if I know anything about this, but um, it does remind me of the way that people, uh, indigenous people have talked about their connection to land, yeah. which I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't know if Cameron's able to do that at all, but, um, it it just gave me a a slight inkling in that kind of way, but th and, I, and I think found it very overwhelming. That's what's good about this movie, and I think that's a, that's what Cameron wants people to mm. reflect on is that you don't. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's it's really important for um people to observe Indigenous people's um connection with the land and and observe that and respect that. But he's also saying like. Everyone has that. You should have yeah, that. You, have, you, are, you are fundamentally connected to the world and you're connected to your surroundings mm. and they like influence in you, 
influence you in ways that you couldn't even begin to quantify yeah. it as well. Yeah. And so you need to respect the world around you. Yeah. I kind and of explore that connection. I, yeah. That I was feel, how this movie made yeah. me feel. I feel like a strong connection to like Australian nature and environment and like uh yeah, the natural world in the country. I feel like kinda like proud of like the Australian natural world in a way that I've yeah, it kinda resonated with me as well. Yeah. And I know I know what you mean. I feel proud of it, but I I just don't feel like I've like very connected to it. This, it, it, I'm not saying this made me want to go out and live in the woods with no technology mm. or anything, but it just, it just, I think it did remind me like how fucking yeah. atomized and um, excised I feel from that because, Damn. yeah, I live in a city, not even a big one, and uh, it's a city with a lot of fucking greenery and a lot of intentionally preserved bushland in it and around it yeah and i still feel like i'm not connected in that same way i guess because i just have this like feeling in the back of my head that that the damage that humans are doing is still getting worse it is baby. and it's still being slowly eroded and so that that this film was nice to escape from but it did make me think a lot about all of that which i was like i'm watching a movie about blue people like he's done something with this yeah i think i don't know that's what i i got a lot of value yeah out of it for and that's why i i think of it so highly yeah yeah i think as well i really enjoyed it, it as well as all these like high flying falutin ideas that we're going to send straight off to james cameron so that mm. he'll invite us to his farm in wellington um thanks james thanks yeah. james thanks jim uh i also have a really fun movie really fun movie with lots of great action fight sequences and lots of great underwater sequences and lots of really great engaging stuff the whole way through i, th- I think it's a, a fun entertaining movie that yeah has a lot more stuff to dive deep on yeah we've mm. just dived deep on much like james cameron and the marianas Trench. straight up yeah. the guts i That's mean my right. my bussy is open for good production design <laughs> and i just th- that was like if nothing else this movie's very pretty <clears throat> to look at and so i did not yeah, my god has jim cameron stuck his whole damn fist up here he's 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 so far up. <laughs> this movie was so in me. Yeah. Pat, any closing thoughts? It looks like we've largely gotten away spoiler-free. So unless you have anything yeah. you're dialing yeah. to spoil, we could just tag this as a spoiler-free episode. No, I, yeah, I don't really have any spoilers to, to share. I think I, I think all the big, like, broader stuff that I wanted to discuss about this film we've touched upon. Fuck mm. yeah. Um, that being said... Uh, there's just like an hour in there. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I just, I, you I feel like I could have done without. Yeah. I don't know. It like, but it's also comes down to the way it was like written. Um, and, and maybe, maybe again, this just fits into a larger puzzle piece in the whole sort of broader narrative of the franchise, which I hope it does. And mm. I hope, the next movie is a different biome again, and if they do that biome thing and it's just different every time, the I'm gonna be super, oh, fuck. super fucking into that. What biome? I thought like wind, air, like flying Navi Probably could be, be cool. Air, I would say they sort of did or that like, in the first one though, with all the flying shit. It was like air and rainforest. Yeah, so yeah. maybe desert. It's got to be desert. Desert it needs to be like desert. Mountain Navi. Yeah, I reckon there's, there's big be like there's big Goron dudes like from Zelda. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, underground that could be cool. Or like snow. Snow, snow Navi be cool. Oh, maybe like Snow uh, Navi in sight, mate. Volcano Navi. Maybe Pandora is hollow too. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. Like that'd be sick. Un- underworld Central. Navi, the underclass yeah, Navi yeah. that are down yeah. there like making iPods. Shadow shit. Navi, yeah. Making iPods. <laughs> yeah, <I> can, <laughs> um, can you think of like movies? In, uh, can we try to do a better than worse than here? If you all can think of like oh, fuck a Jesus. movie you lo- liked better than this, a movie you didn't like as Not much. Not really, as this. man. I think I. En- <laughs> I think. But I liked this a lot better than the first one. 
I think mm. I like this a lot more than the yeah, first me one. Too. So I'm going to say I like Avatar. It more than the first one. The Way of Water is better than Avatar 1. Uh, I can't think of a movie that's going for a similar kind of thing that I enjoyed more than this. I think in terms of like big blockbuster entertaining type movies that I've seen recently, uh, I can't think of anything. Honestly, like the only other thing that comes close maybe is like a big imaginative world that you want to dive in on that you just wish you could soak up as much as you can. Like like a Lord of the Rings thing. It man. feels like, more like anime or like a game. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't move. I don't know. Better, better anime trans- or video games, but I'll have to take your word on that. It like it. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge anime guy, but just the way that people <laughs> get like obsessed with the world and the characters and stuff, yeah. and, and and the lore and the yeah. world building. Um, it seems like it does like a lot more of that than the regular movie. Yeah, but it it constrains that into like a big blockbuster format. That's probably fair. Well. I think mm. going for different things, but I think in terms of like inspiring wonder and inspiring <clears throat> like the sensation to want to explore this world as much as possible, Lord of the Rings is one that's like really captured that for me. So I, I could say sure. like, if it's like Lord of the Rings Return of the King or The Fellowship or whatever, yeah. I would say if I had to pick one that's like higher than this. Not Two Towers the best movie. Yeah. Um, what? I think Two Towers is the best. Really? I think I watched Return of the King recently and really liked it. Okay. But yeah, so I, I'm going to say this is better than Avatar 1 and worse than like a Lord of the Rings tier movie, but that's a bit of a weird comparison. I would, I enjoyed this more than I think I enjoyed any Lord of the Rings movie. Although it's been a very long time <laughs> since I've, it's been a very long time since I watched them, so maybe I just need a refresh. Yes. Um, I think for me, Dune ekes this one out. Mm. I like, I I think I just, but I do enjoy. They are going for different things. I think they, they definitely are. Um, although you know, yeah, 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 but um. <laughs> I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed Titanic I more than this. Production Titanic's design better. and the way yeah. that I think I like movies that are quite like, um, like not melodramatic, but like very tense. Mm. And I don't think Villeneuve does like. I mean, he does Hollywood, but he's like, his movies have a menace and a threat mm. to them that I think this didn't really ever. Mm. It's not really trying no. to have. And so, I, like, I think the I stakes aren't very that. high in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know. I think they are, like, for the fucking planet. Yeah. If you think about it. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> but, um, but, like, it doesn't... Yeah, I, I don't know. So, uh, mm. there's, it's just... Dune does a couple of things, which I which I think I prefer. But they're kind of pretty close for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just want the Dune sequel more than I want Avatar 3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like... Uh, but, yeah. Um, but for me, so it would be, like, Dune, Avatar 2. I guess, yeah, yeah I definitely enjoyed it more than Avatar 1. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to put Titanic above Avatar 2 as well. Titanic okay. is... It's also Jim Cameron being obsessed with the ocean. It's tense. It's got... Uh, it's got lots going for it. Titanic is absolutely worth watching. Terminator 2 would probably be above uh, Avatar 2 as well. Andrew, watch Titanic. It's, yeah, it rules. Okay. Sure. okay, I will. It's really good. I, honestly, I'm going to go in on like I think Cameron's entire discography. To be honest, I think I just, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. Um, so. I think out of the aliens, I'm probably more of a Ridley Scott. I like Ridley Scott's uh, interpretation interpretation of the the universe. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, better than worse than fuck. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely better than Avatar. Um. That's right, we've done it. Not as good as uh, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Why don't I just click my fingers and just wipe this episode yeah. out, fellas? Do what you know you what? Reckon? I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the, the most pod, contrarian Pat. thing you've said this entire <laughs> fucking episode. <laughs> 
Thanks for coming on the pod, Pat. Yeah. Thanks Good for having me, dude. Once again, listen I love to Pat. Sorry, like, I just shat all over the fucking coffee table with that last point. Yeah, <laughs> I love the lofty cerebral stuff that we talk about when you're on the apps. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good cool. shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listen to Pat's EP. It's called Blood on Spotify. S. Wells, all one word. We'll chuck a uh, we'll chuck a link in the description oh, if I remember. Thank you. Uh, listen to Pat's music. It's it's brilliant. Watch Avatar Two. It's almost good, but not quite as good as Pat's EP. Uh, <laughs> email us. Tell us what you want us to watch. The email and everything is in the description of the episode. I don't think we've decided what we're going to do next week just yet, but uh, stay tuned because we'll put it in the description and figure it out and let you know. Mm. Happy New Year. Bye. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Happy Bye. New Year. Bye. 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 Bye.